This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Allahumma salli wa sallim wa barik ala nabiyyina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Amma ba'd. So then, today is the, is it the 8th? Eighth day of Ramadan, and this is the eighth session, therefore, of the reading and the commentary of Tafsir Al Jalali. And inshallah ta'ala, today we will begin with the reading of Suratul A'raf. But before um, we do that, uh, just something which I think is important to mention, and that is with regards to studying a very big book or text as this is, it is important to revise over what we've read and done at some point in time. So I'm not saying that necessarily here every day in Ramadan because I know the three-hour sessions are long and to ask people to go and do another three hours of revision is, is probably pushing it too much. But at some point, it is important to go over the reading of the book yourself and the commentary as well because it's something which will help your revision and it's something which will help, inshallah ta'ala, embed the tafsir and the information and the, and the commentary that we've been giving. And this was the, the way and the methodology of the scholars of the past and when they would have in the different sciences and disciplines of Islam, they would have what they would call a matan. And a matan is like a textbook, it's like a manual. That they would base their fiqh, their hadith, their study of hadith, or the sciences of hadith and the sciences of, of usul al-fiqh and fiqh and tafsir, they would use one book that they would more or less master. They would read it many times and they would go over it many times and so on. And that's why you find... Uh, from you know many of the senior scholars of our time, Shaykh Ibn Baz, Rahimahullah, Shaykh Al-Thaymin, Rahimahullah, and others, that they often, those small texts of fiqh and, and aqidah and tawheed, they repeated them and taught them probably dozens and dozens of times during their lifetime. And that's because it is the basis that you base your knowledge of aqidah and hadith and tafsir upon. And in tafsir, I honestly think that tafsir al-jalaleen is a very good book to use now that inshallah as we're going along with correcting some of the errors and mistakes in there it is very good as a as a textbook and as a manual for the tafsir of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and so it's important at some time after Ramadan throughout the year next Ramadan then when inshallah we come to Ramadan next year we have something now that we can go over and revise over and read over and it not only gives us revision but it's also something, inshallah ta'ala, which strengthens our bond and our connection with the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the scholars of the past used to revise their knowledge. And that's often a neglected aspect of seeking knowledge. The reading, the memorizing, all of those aspects are spoken about. Revision, you know, as in the, with the Qur'an, revision is very important of knowledge as well. And it's reported that some of the scholars used to repeat in a single night maybe a hundred times what they were memorizing. And I don't mean the Qur'an. I mean the textbooks that they were memorizing, the poems in the different Islamic disciplines, they would memorize and they would repeat those verses or that text over and over again, paragraph by paragraph, page by page, until they had it down. And one of the funniest stories in that regard that I've come across is one of the scholars of the past, every night he would stay awake and he would repeat what he was memorizing over and over and over and over again. And he would do this every single night because he's trying to embed that information and make it something which is so strong that he doesn't need to keep referring to the book. And one night as he's revising it, he forgets. He's, he's paused and he doesn't know what comes next and he's stuck. So his neighbor shouts out and corrects him. So the scholar's impressed. MashaAllah, he has a neighbor 
that you know seems to be a person of knowledge, he's memorized his text, he's correcting him. So when he meets him in the morning, he says, I didn't know you were a student of knowledge and a scholar. He said, I'm not. It's your incessant repetition of what you do every night that's made me memorize what you're memorizing. And that's something which we can all attest to with our children when we repeat Quran for them over and over again and then they come to Surah Ikhlas and it's as if they know it. It is the same with knowledge. So that doesn't mean that we're going to necessarily memorize Tafsir al-Jalalain, but to read it again multiple times. It is a mistake to think that once you've finished a book that you can put it away and it's done. But rather knowledge, if you want it to be strong and firm and use it to set yourself a foundation upon which you can build, then it requires constant repetition and constant revision. The question that we asked yesterday was concerning the verse of Allah Azza wa Jalla in Surah Al-An'am, La tudrikuhu al-absar, wa huwa yudriku al-absar. No one can see him and he sees everything. And we said that, that there are other verses in the Quran which Allah Azza wa Jalla explicitly says that people will see him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And for example, the verse in Surah Al-Qiyamah, وَجُوهٍ يَوْمَئِذٍ نَاظِرَةٍ إِلَىٰ رَبِّهَا نَاظِرَةٍ That there will be faces that are illuminated, they will be looking at the Lord. And the verse in which Allah Azza wa says, لِلَّذِينَ أَحْسَنُ الْحُسْنَى وَزِيَادَةٍ For those who do good, there will be husna, which is Jannah, and more than that, the ziyada, which is to look upon the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So how do we understand these verses together? And there are two responses. The first of them is that the verse of Surah Al-An'am that we cannot see him is referring to this dunya. Whereas the verses of Surah Al-Qiyamah are referring to Yawm Al-Qiyamah. On that day when Allah illuminates people's faces. That's the first response. In the dunya, no one can see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we will mention today a story of Musa alayhi in Surah Al-A'raf of a similar nature. But on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, it will be from the greatest and the, and, the, and the best of Allah Azza wa Jal's rewards that he will give to people on that day. And the second response, or the second way that we can join between them, is that the word idraq in Surah Al-An'am, la tudrikuhul absar, is more than to see. It is to encompass. And no one can encompass Allah Azza wa Jal, even when they see him on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. But it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who when he sees, he encompasses everything within his sight, meaning he has knowledge of it, intimate knowledge, and understands it, and knows everything about it. But the believers, when they see their Lord on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, they will not encompass him, they will not have idraq, but rather they will simply see him subhanahu wa ta'ala, and Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. So inshallah ta'ala, with that we're going to begin with the seventh surah of the Qur'an, which is Surah Al-A'raf. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم اغفر لشيخنا ولوالدينا ولجميع المسلمين أما بعد فقد قال المصنف رحمه الله تعالى في تفسير سورة الأعراف سورة الأعراف The Ramparts It is Mecca except for ayat 163 to 170 which are Medina It has 205 or 206 ayat and was revealed after Surah Salaf so this is Surah Al-A'raf, the seventh surah of the Qur'an. And the word A'raf has been translated here as the ramparts. And it will be mentioned within the surah, Allah Azza wa Jalla will speak about the A'raf and the people of the A'raf. And when we come to that, inshallah ta'ala, we'll speak about that in more detail. It is a Makki surah. It is a Makki surah. According to the vast majority, if not all of the scholars of Tafsir, Al-Qurtubi, Al-Baghawi, uh, Ibn Atiyah, and others. It is considered to be from the Meccan revelation. And generally, as we know, the Meccan surahs were usually shorter, and the Medinan surahs were usually 
longer. But there are exceptions to that rule. And this Surah Al-Araf is one of those exceptions. And it is considered to be from the earlier Meccan revelations. Uh, from the earlier Meccan revelations in the sense that, as the author Ta'ala says here, it was revealed after Surah Sad. And what I mean by being from the early revelations, not that it was early in terms of chronological order, but early in terms of the topics that it will speak about and mention. <coughs> the scholars, rahimahullah, say that the first surah that extensively spoke about the stories of the prophets that was revealed was Surah Sad. So Surah Sad, which is the surah revealed before this surah, according to many scholars, was the first surah of the Qur'an, chronologically speaking, so not obviously in the order of the Qur'an that we have today, but chronologically speaking, it was the first surah revealed that spoke at some extent, or to some extent, concerning some of the stories of the prophets, because Surah Sad speaks about the stories of Dawood and Sulaiman and Ayyub and other prophets, والسلام, the next surah after that that then speaks about it extensively is Surah Al-A'raf, the stories of the prophets. And Surah Al-A'raf will do what is the norm in the Qur'an, that it focuses on those prophets that Allah Azza wa relays about their stories in the Qur'an that had uh, oppression from their nations, that had objection from their nations, they disbelieved in them and rejected them, and then the punishments that descended upon them. So usually those stories include Nuh Hud, Salih, Shu'ib, Lut, Ibrahim, Musa And those stories are mentioned in different, different surahs, sometimes all of them, sometimes some of them. And Surah Al-A'raf is one that will mention the vast majority of them with the exception of Ibrahim So it is a surah that deals with that particular aspect because as we know when Allah reveals or mentions stories of the prophets in the Quran, there are different aspects that Allah focuses on. For example, in Surah Ali Imran, we spoke about the story of Zakaria and Yahya, which is a story of uh, family and, and wanting children. So it's not to do with their people, it's not to do with their nations and their rejection of them, or that they would eventually kill them, even though that is mentioned in passing. But the story focuses itself on a family aspect. And likewise, with other stories of the Qur'an, like the story of Yusuf the story of Ayyub is one of illness and disease, and so on and so forth. But then there are stories which are the ones that are most repeated in the Qur'an, because it is the one, it speaks to one of the main objectives of the Qur'an, and that is the objective of Tawheed. And those are the stories of the people who rejected their prophets outright, and waged war against them. So Allah caused his punishment to descend upon them. And those are the stories that we will see within this surah. With the addition of the story of Adam السلام, because the story of Adam and Iblis as we mentioned before is the beginning of that war that is waged between us and between Iblis. And so it is a surah that speaks about this in the Meccan period because the Muslims were suffering rejection, suffering oppression, suffering pushback from the Quraysh and from others around them. And Allah consoles His Prophet and the Muslims that this isn't the first time that it's happened, nor will it be the last time. And Allah dealt with those nations who came before, just as He will deal with the Quraysh and their rejection and their disbelief. And so this is a surah that is from the earlier revelations in terms of mentioning the stories of the Prophet And it is according to our Mus'haf containing 206 verses. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. 
ألف لام صاد. Allah knows best what these letters mean. As we said before, at the beginning of Baqarah, at the beginning of Ali Imran, Imam Ta'ala is very precise in his wording, as the scholars often are. When they're making tafsir and when they're speaking about fiqh and other disciplines, they're very precise in the words that they choose. And he says, Allah knows best what is intended by these letters. Kitabun unzila ilayk, it, meaning this, is a book sent down to you, addressed to the Prophet wasallam. فَلَا يَكُنْ فِي صَدْرِكَ حَرَجٌ مِّنْهُ لِتُنْذِرَ بِهِ وَذِكْرَى لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ So let there be no constriction in your breast because of it. Meaning when you convey it out of the fear that it will be denied. So that you can give warning by it and as a reminder to the believers. اِتَّبِعُوا مَا أُنْزِلَ إِلَيْكُمْ مِنْ رَبِّكُمْ Say to them, follow what has been sent down to you from your Lord. Meaning the Qur'an. وَلَا تَتَّبِعُوا مِن دُونِهِ أَوْلِيَاءِ And do not adopt and follow any protectors apart from him, obeying them in disobedience to Allah. قَلِيلًا مَّا تَذَكَّرُونَ How little you remember and take note. Whether تَذَكَّرُونَ يَتَذَكَّرُونَ and تَذَّكَّرُونَ وَكَمْ مِّن قَرْيَةٍ أَهْلَكْنَاهَا How many cities, meaning their inhabitants, we have destroyed. فَجَاءَهَا بَأْسُنَا بَيَاتًا أَوْ هُمْ قَائِلُونَ When we wanted to destroy them, our violent force, meaning punishment, came down on them during the night, or while they were asleep during the day, meaning having a rest in the middle of the day, even if they were not asleep. In other words, it sometimes comes at night and sometimes in the day. فَمَا كَانَ دَعْوَاهُمْ إِذْ جَاءَهُمْ بَأْسُنَا إِلَّا أَنْ قَالُوا and the only utterance when our violent force came down on them was the cry, truly we have been wrongdoers. Allah Azza wa often in the Quran when he begins surahs that speak about the importance of Tawheed or the importance of the prophets and the messengers that were sent. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala often begins by establishing that principle at the very beginning of the surah. The principle of Tawheed as he did. For example, in Surah Al-Imran and in Surah Al-Baqarah, the importance of the Qur'an and belief and such aspects. And here Allah Azza wa is speaking about the importance of following what has been revealed. And that includes from the divine revelation that Allah sends and from the messengers and prophets that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends to different nations. And those people who don't follow them, Allah Azza wa mentions at the very beginning of this Surah that they were, they were, many of them were destroyed from those who came before. And those people never thought that they would be destroyed in that manner. But when it came, the punishment of Allah Azza wa Jal, it was too late for them to do anything about it. We will question those to whom the messengers were sent. Meaning every nation will be asked about how they answered the messengers and acted on what they conveyed to them and what he conveyed to them. And we will question the messengers about whether they conveyed the message. And that is from the utmost justice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That on Yawm al-Qiyam, Allah azza wa jal not only questions the peoples and the nations, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala questions the messengers and the prophets, even though by definition, the messengers and prophets have to be trustworthy, have to have integrity, have to be people who are honest and truthful because they are delivering Allah's message on His behalf subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
But from Allah's justice is that he will question them as we mentioned yesterday concerning Suratul An'am about the story of Isa alayhi salam towards the end of the surah and the verse before that and the day that Allah gathers the messengers and asks them how did the people respond to you and that is from Allah Azza wa justice we will tell them about it with knowledge we are never absent from our messengers as they convey the message or from past nations in respect of their actions the weighing of actions or the pages on which they are recorded in the balance which has a pointer and two scales as is reported in hadith that day meaning the day of questioning is the truth and justice this takes place on the day of rising فَمَنْ ثَقُلَتْ مَوَازِينُهُ فَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْمُفْلِحُونَ As for those whose scales are heavy with good actions, they are the successful. وَمَنْ خَفَّتْ مَوَازِينُهُ فَأُولَٰئِكَ الَّذِينَ خَسِرُوا أَنفُسَهُمْ بِمَا كَانُوا بِآيَاتِنَا يَظْلِمُونَ As for those whose scales are light through wrong actions, they are the ones who have lost their own selves and will go to the fire because they wrongfully rejected our signs. These verses, verses 8 and 9, <coughs> Allah Azza wa speaks about the scales of the Day of Judgment and the weighing of actions. And as the author Rahimahullah Ta'ala mentions in his commentary, it is the Aqeedah of Sunnah wal Jama'ah that we believe in the Mizan, the scales that Allah will place on the Day of Judgment, and that those scales will have a, two sides to it, two sides where things will be weighed, and that the Mizan will have a tongue, it will speak by the permission of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. And the scholars have uh, a very interesting discussion as to what it is that Allah will weigh on Yawm Al-Qiyamah in those scales. Is it the actions? Or is it the record of deeds? Or is it people themselves? What is it that Allah weighs? And the reason that there is that difference of opinion that exists amongst them is because there are different ahadith, each one of them supporting those issues. So for example, uh, the, the actions themselves being weighed and being heavy on the scales is mentioned in a number of hadith from them is the hadith of Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu which is the final hadith of Sahih al-Bukhari kalimatani habibatani ila rahman khafifatani ala al-lisani thaqilatani fil mizan subhanallahi wa bihamdihi subhanallahi al-azim two statements are beloved to Allah light upon the tongue heavy upon the scales to say subhanallah wa bihamdihi subhanallahi al-azim so this hadith shows that actions themselves these ibadat are being weighed and then you have the records being weighed, like the hadith of the man concerning the man who, uh, who, had, who has 99 scrolls of evil deeds, each one when it's open as far as the eyes can see. And then how Allah Azza wa will balance that with the bataqa, the card upon which you will say, La ilaha illallah, which will weigh heavier on the scales of the Day of Judgment. And in the Quran, Allah Azza wa speaks about the suhuf being weighed and so on. And then people being weighed, because it is also mentioned in the authentic hadith that the Prophet ﷺ said that a person will come on the day of judgment. All they did in this world was eat and drink, meaning that they are obese, weigh heavily themselves in terms of their physical weight. But in the sight of Allah, when they are weighed, they will not equal the wing of a mosquito. And so therefore you have these different hadith and others that seem to show that different things are weighed. And the strongest, therefore, of those opinions, as mentioned by Hafiz al-Hakimi, rahimahullah ta'ala, and others, is that Allah will weigh all of them. 
Allah will weigh people, Allah will weigh actions, and Allah will weigh people's records of deeds. And that's why Allah often in the Quran when he says, when he speaks about this concept, he says, as we see here, فَمَنْ ثَقُلَتْ مَوَازِينُ Whoever's balance is heavy. And he doesn't mention what will be in the balance, but he speaks about the heaviness of that balance or the lightness of that scale. And Allah knows best. وَلَقَدْ مَكَّنَّاكُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ وَجَعَلْنَا لَكُمْ فِيهَا مَعَايِشِ We have established you, meaning children of Adam, firmly on the earth, and granted you your livelihood in it. قَلِيلًا مَّا تَشْكُرُونَ What little thanks you show for that. وَلَقَدْ خَلَقْنَاكُمْ ثُمَّ صَوَّرْنَاكُمْ We created you in the form of your ancestor, Adam, and then formed you while you were still in his loins. ثُمَّ قُلْنَا لِلْمَلَائِكَةِ اسْجُدُوا لِآدَمْ And then we said to the angels, prostrate to Adam, with obeisance of greeting. فَسَجَدُوا إِلَّا إِبْلِيسِ And they prostrated, except for Iblis. The progenitor of the jinn was among the angels. لَمْ يَكُمْ مِنَ السَّاجِدِينَ He was not among the prostrators. So in verse 11, Allah Azza wa Jal then, very much at the very early stage of this surah, more or less at the beginning, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins with the first story, and that is the story of Adam, alayhi salam and Iblis. And it's a story that we covered before in Surah Al-Baqarah. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will mention here aspects of this story that he didn't mention in Baqarah. And there are aspects in Baqarah that will not be mentioned here. And that is the general methodology of the Qur'an, that Allah Azza wa Jal reveals stories in snippets. Little bit here and a little bit there. And he doesn't mention the complete story in one single case with the exception of the story of Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam. And one of the wisdoms, and Allah knows best between the division of those stories throughout the Quran, is that Allah azza wa wants us to focus on certain aspects. But clearly, in order to understand the general story, we have to bring those verses together of the Quran. But Allah azza wa focuses on the stories on the point. So for example, if it is the rejection of prophets and messengers, as we will be seen in this surah, then that is the aspect that Allah Azza wa Jalla will focus on in this surah concerning those prophets. And in Surah Al-Baqarah, when it came to the story of Musa salam and others, it was the aspect of obeying the prophets and submission to Allah Azza wa Jalla. And so those are the stories about their lives that are mentioned. Allah Azza wa Jalla in verse number 11 here of Surah Al-A'raf, He says that we created you. And we fashioned you like we did your forefather Adam alayhi salam. And then Allah moves into the story. So Allah speaking to us directly, and then He moves into the story. Because Allah Azza wa is saying to us that we are an extension of Adam alayhi salam, we're from his offspring. So the challenges that Adam alayhi salam did, and the way that Iblis was able to trip him up and make him slip, and the way that Iblis could whisper to him, if that is our father, Adam, who was created by Allah with his own hand, as Allah mentions. And Allah Azza wa blew into him from his spirit, and he made all of the angels prostrate before him. If that is Adam, then surely we are weaker than Adam alayhi salam, and we are more likely to be tempted by the whisperings of shaitan. And so Allah Azza wa moves from the first person to the third person, reminding us of this story. It is mentioned in the authentic hadith, the Prophet said, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that when Allah Azza wa first created our father Adam alayhi salam, and he was shaped and fashioned, but before he blew into him of the spirit, he was left standing there, meaning he was not alive, but he was formed and shaped as a human. And Iblis, before he would refuse to prostrate, because he was in the company of the heavens and the angels, he came and he saw this new creation. Never before has he seen anything like this, because it is the, he is the first of his kind, Adam alayhi salam. And so he began to walk around him. 
and his seven relations, he walked through him. And then he said, هَذَا خَلْقٌ أَجْوَفْ لَا يَتَمَالَكْ This is a hollow creation. It has no self-discipline. And so even before we get to this story and this passage of the Qur'an, Iblis had already understood the nature of humans and the weakness that is inherent with them. And that is why, as Allah Azza wa will mention later on in Surah Ibrahim and other pieces of the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that all shaitan has to do is whisper. Doesn't need to do anything more because he understands our pressure points, our weaknesses, and what he needs to do in order to tempt us away from the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We told the angels to prostrate with the reasons of creating, meaning that their prostration before Adam is not one of worship. It is a prostration of greeting, as was the custom for the nations that came before our Prophet. It is one of respect and it is one of greeting. Likewise, in the story of Yusuf when he's reunited with his parents and his siblings, and they come, they prostrate before him. And that is also a prostration of greeting. But it was made haram in our Sharia. Some of the companions who traveled and they went to the Byzantine Roman Empire and to the Persian Empire, when they would come back, one of them or two of them or some of them came and they attempted to prostrate or some of them even prostrated before the Prophet And the Prophet asked them, why do you do this? They said, O Messenger of Allah, this is how they respect and honor their leaders. The Prophet said, don't do this. But rather, I am Allah's Messenger and His servant. Because it can often lead to taking someone and placing them above their station that Allah has given to them. So it is something which Allah has made haram for our religion. Except for Iblis, he says, as rahimahullah, the father of the jinn. And this is the position of many of the scholars of Tafsir. Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah being foremost amongst them, Mujahid, Qatada, Al-Hassan, Basri, and others, that just as Adam is the father of mankind, Iblis is the father of the jinn. And that is because, as Allah doesn't mention any of the humans before Adam, Allah doesn't mention any of the jinn before Iblis. And Allah knows best. He, Allah asked, what prevented you from prostrating when I commanded you to? He replied, I am better than him. You created me from fire and you created him from clay. And this is Iblis showing his disbelief. And it is a disbelief that emerges and emanates from arrogance. And arrogance often leads to disbelief, which is why it is considered to be one of the major sins. And the Prophet said, وسلم, Allah will not enter into Jannah. Whosoever has even the smallest weight of arrogance within their hearts, showing its deadliness. And so Iblis isn't refusing to prostrate before Adam because he disbelieves in Allah, or doesn't believe that Allah exists, or doesn't believe that Allah is all-powerful, or anything else. His issue is one of, I am better than him because I am created from a substance that is better than the substance that he was created from. And that arrogance and that pride leads him to this type of disbelief. May Allah Azzawajal safeguard us. He said, descend from heaven, meaning from the garden or from the heavens. It is not for you to be arrogant in it, so get out of it. You are one of the abased. This is Allah speaking to Iblis. So don't confuse this with Allah telling Adam that he has to descend to earth. This verse is concerning Iblis. Allah is saying to Iblis, 
you leave the heavens. He said, grant me a reprieve until the day they, meaning mankind, are raised up. He said, you are one of the reprieved. Another ayah has reprieved until the day whose time is known. Meaning, the first blast of the trumpet by Israfil. Iblis, in verses 14 and 15, makes a dua. Allah says to him, leave, you are cursed. And Iblis turns around and he asks Allah for something, he makes a dua. And one of the most beautiful statements I've read concerning tafsir of these verses, and I think it's either from Sa'id ibn Musayyib or Sa'id ibn Jubair, that he said that if Allah is willing and, and, and answers the dua of Iblis, then why do we not hope in Allah's forgiveness? Why don't we make dua to Allah? Why do we despair from Allah's mercy? If Allah can accept the dua of Iblis, there is no one after Iblis that is worse than Iblis. No one more evil than Iblis. No one more oppressive than Iblis. And that should give us hope in the, the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. قَالَ فَبِمَا أَغْوَيْتَنِي لَأَقْعُدَنَّ لَهُمْ صِرَاقَكَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ He said, by your misguidance of me, meaning because you have misled me, I will lie in ambush for them, meaning the children of Adam, on your straight path, the path which leads to you. ثُمَّ لَآتِيَنَّهُمْ مِنْ بَيْنِ أَيْدِيهِمْ وَمِنْ خَلْفِهِمْ وَعَنْ أَيْمَانِهِمْ وَعَنْ شَمَائِلِهِمْ then I will come at them from in front of them and behind them from their right and from their left. In other words, from every direction. And I will prevent them from going on the path. Ibn Abbas said that Iblis was prevented from coming at them from above so that nothing could come between Allah's slave and his mercy. You will not find most of them to be thankful believers. And that is why we have so many countless statements of the scholars concerning verses 16 and 17 of Surah Al-A'raf of how they used to say that shaitan never rests. And shaitan doesn't take a break, and shaitan doesn't take a vacation, and shaitan doesn't go on holiday. Shaitan, day and night from every direction comes, and he tries to make us, or take us away from the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Imam Ahmad rahimahullah was asked, O oh, Imam Ahmad, when can we rest? When can we rest? He said, when you place your right foot in Jannah. That is when the believer rests. And that's why it's reported that Imam Ahmad on his deathbed was looking towards the corner of his room and was saying, not yet, not yet. And his family members said to him, Oh Father, who are you speaking to? And he said that I'm speaking to Shaytan. I see him in front of me and he's saying to me, Well done, O oh Ahmed. You've escaped me. You've won. Your whole life you stayed away from me. You won. And I'm saying to him, Not yet. Not yet. I'm still living. I'm still living. Not yet. Not yet. He said, Get out of it, reviled and driven out, far from Allah's mercy. لَمَنْ تَبِعَكَ مِنْهُمْ لَأَمْلَأَنَّ جَهَنَّمَ مِنْكُمْ أَجْمَعِينَ As for those of them, meaning mankind who follow you, I will fill up hell with every, with every one of you, meaning with your descendants and with mankind. There is a change in the person addressed. This sentence shows that this outcome is conditional, that Allah will punish whoever follows shaitan. وَيَا آدَمُ اسْكُنْ أَنْتَ وَزَوْجُكَ الْجَنَّةِ he said, Adam, live in the garden, you and your wife, Hawa. The pronoun you is stressed here by being repeated. And eat of it wheresoever you like. But do not go near this tree and eat from it. And it was wheat, lest you become wrongdoers. And that is a difference of, as we mentioned before, in 
Surah Al-Baqarah, was it a wheat tree, was it a wheat plant, was it uh, grapes, and so on. And there is no authentic narration, and Allah knows best. فَوَسْوَسَ لَهُمَا الشَّيْطَانُ لِيُبْدِيَ لَهُمَا مَا وُرِيَ عَنْهُمَا مِنْ سَوْآتِهِمَا Then, shaytan, meaning Iblis, whispered to them, disclosing to them their private parts that were concealed from them. وَقَالَ مَا نَهَاكُمَا رَبُّكُمَا عَنْ هَذِهِ الشَّجَرَةِ إِلَّا أَنْ تَكُونَا مَلَكَيْنِ أَوْ تَكُونَا مِنَ الْخَالِدِينَ He said, your Lord has only forbidden you this tree, lest meaning because he did not want that, you both become angels. An alternative reading for Melikain, angels, is Melikain, which means kings, or among those who live forever, meaning that eating from it would result in immortality for them. Another ayah states, Shall I show you the way to the tree of everlasting life and to a kingdom which will never fade away? He swore to them by Allah, I am one of those who give you good advice. In verses 20 and 21, Allah is telling us that this is the trap of shaitan that he laid for our father Adam by coming to him, by whispering to him. And shaitan always comes in the guise of, in his whispering, in the guise of a sincere advisor and as someone who wants good for us and comes in the best of ways. And shaitan never whispers to a person and says, I want you to be with me and how far so do this or do that. Shaitan always comes either Allah's merciful and don't worry about it or that you have many years left of your life or some other way, shape or form. And he always comes in the form of someone who gives good advice and he gives promises either that you don't have to worry about sinning against Allah or that you have plenty of time or that you have plenty of opportunity or that it's only a small sin, nothing to worry about, it's nothing major, whatever it may be. Shaitan has those whisperings that he does where he gives us false hope and false promises as he did with our father Adam salam, and he did so Allah says to disclose to them their private parts their private parts were covered but by dis- disobeying Allah they became uncovered so they were covered at the beginning but by their disobedience to Allah they became uncovered and some of the scholars of tafsir said because when you sin you become naked you become naked spiritually and you shall take off from you the divine care and protection that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed upon you so that you may both become angels why angels? because Adam salam, it is said consider the angels to be a good creation a creation that Allah has chosen to keep close to him they obey Allah they only do good they only worship Allah and so he wanted to be like them in their purity in their obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but Allah shows in the Quran that there are times when humans can have a nobler station in front of Allah than even the angels. And that's why Ibn Taymiyyah ta'ala said in one of his works that the righteous amongst the believers can have the level of the angels. As Allah said that those who read the Quran with proficiency are, with, are in the company of the noble angels. And as for someone who disbelieves in Allah, then they are worse than even the cattle, as Allah mentions elsewhere in the Quran. O Malikain, he says the alternative reading is Malikain, which means kings. This is a peculiar reading, it is a shad reading, and not one of the ten that are mutawatir from the Prophet. So he enticed them to do it and brought them down from their high place by means of trickery. فَلَمَّا ذَاقَ الشَّجَرَةَ بَدَتْ لَهُمَا سَوْآتُهُمَا Then when they tasted the tree and ate from it, their private parts were disclosed to them so that it was clear to each of them that they had genitals. The private parts are called سَوْآ from a root meaning bad 
because uncovering them harms the person who does it. وَطَفِقَا يَخْصِفَانِ عَلَيْهِمَا مِنْ وَرَقِ الْجَنَّةِ And they started stitching together the leaves of the garden in order to cover themselves with the leaves. وَنَادَاهُمَا رَبُّهُمَا أَلَمْ أَنْهَكُمَا عَنْ تِلْكُمَا الشَّجَرَةِ وَأَقُلْ لَكُمَا إِنَّ الشَّيْطَانَ لَكُمَا عَدُوٌ مُّبِينٌ The Lord called out to them, did I not forbid you this tree and tell you, Shaytan is your clear-cut enemy. The enmity of Shaytan is clear. Question expects an affirmative answer. قَالَ رَبَّنَا ظَلَمْنَا أَنفُسَنَا وَإِن لَمْ تَغْفِرْ لَنَا وَتَرْحَمْنَا لَنَكُونَنَّ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ They said, Our Lord, we have wronged ourselves by our disobedience. If you do not forgive us and have mercy on us, we will be among the last. Verse number 23 is the tafsir of the verse in Surah Al-Baqarah when we discuss this story when Allah Azza wa Jal says, فَتَلَقَّى آدَمُ مِنْ رَبِّهِ كَلِمَاتِ that Adam received words from his Lord. These are the words that he received that he makes the dua and that Allah Azza wa forgives him on the basis of this dua. And it is an amazing dua for forgiveness and mercy that we should make. He said, descend, meaning Adam and Hawa, including them and all their descendants as enemies, referring to their descendants, to one another. وَلَكُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ مُسْتَقَرٌ وَمَتَاعٌ إِلَاهِينَ You'll have res- residence on the earth and enjoyment for a time, meaning your lifespan. In the authentic hadith, the Prophet said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, concerning Adam's descent to the earth, that Musa alayhi salam argued with his father Adam. And he said to him, You are Adam that Allah chose and Allah created by his hand. And because of you, we were descended to earth. And, Musa and Adam السلام, said to Musa, and you are Musa, the one that Allah chose, and the one that Allah spoke to directly. Don't you know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decreed that this would happen before I even was created? The Prophet said, فَحَجَّ Adam Musa. So Adam overcame Musa in this debate. قَالَ فِيهَا تَحْيَوْنَ وَفِيهَا تَمُوتُونَ وَمِنْهَا تُخْرَجُونَ he said, on it, meaning earth, you will live, and on it, die, and from it, you will be brought forth at the resurrection. Ya bani Adam, qad anzalna alaykum Children of Adam, we have sent down clothing to you, which we created for you, to conceal your private parts, and fine apparel, meaning beautiful clothes. And the garment of God-fearing, righteous actions, and good behavior, that is best. ذَلِكَ مِنْ آيَاتِ اللَّهِ لَعَلَّهُمْ يَذَّكَّرُونَ That is one of Allah's signs of His power, so that perhaps you will pay heed and remember. يَا بَنِي آدَمَ لَا يَفْتِنَنَّكُمُ الشَّيْطَانُ كَمَا أَخْرَجَ أَبَوَيْكُمْ مِنَ الْجَنَّةِ Children of Adam, do not let shaytan mislead you and tempt you into trouble. In other words, do not follow him so that you are tempted as he expelled your parents through temptation from the garden. يَنْزِعُ عَنْهُمَا لِبَاسَهُمَا لِيُرِيَهُمَا سَوْآتِهِمَا Stripping them of their covering and disclosing to them their private parts. إِنَّهُ يَرَاكُمْ هُوَ وَقَبِيلُهُ مِنْ حَيْثُ لَا تَرَوْنَهُمْ He, meaning shaytan and his tribe, meaning his armies, see you from where you do not see them, because their bodies are subtle or because they are transparent. إِنَّا جَعَلْنَا الشَّيَاطِينَ أَوْلِيَاءَ لِلَّذِينَ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ we have made the shaytans friends, meaning helpers and comrades of those who do not believe. 
وَإِذَا فَعَلُوا فَاحِشَةً قَالُوا وَجَدْنَا عَلَيْهَا آبَاءَنَا وَاللَّهُ أَمَرَنَا بِهَا Whenever they commit an indecent act, such as worshipping idols and doing tawaf of the Kaaba naked, saying, we do not do tawaf wearing clothes, we disobey Allah regarding that and they were forbidden to do that. They say, we found our fathers doing it and we are imitating them, and Allah commanded us to do it. قُلْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَأْمُرُ بِالْفَحْشَاءِ Say to them, Allah does not command indecency. أَتَقُولُونَ عَلَى اللَّهِ مَا لَا تَعْلَمُونَ Do you say about Allah what you do not know that he said? The question is an objection. In verse 28, where the author Rahimahullah Ta'ala says concerning the indecent act that they would make tawafar on the Kaaba naked. And this is mentioned in, in Sahih Muslim in the notion of, of Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah that the people of Jahiliyyah used to come and they used to make tawaf naked around the Kaaba. And this was one of the warped ideas and understandings that the Quraysh had. And how the Quraysh would often try to show that they were better and nobler and more honorable than the other tribes of Arabia by having some type of privilege over them. And one of those privileges that they instated for themselves and that the people then followed because they were the Quraysh and the custodians of Mecca and the Kaaba is this instruction of theirs for people to make the tawaf naked. And that instruction was that they would say that whoever comes to Mecca comes from outside of the haram into the haram. And because their clothing is from outside of the haram, it is impure. And so therefore they need to wear fresh clothing. How do you wear fresh clothing? Either you buy it from us, meaning brand new clothing, not just washed clothing, brand new clothing that you buy from us, in which case it helps the economy because they were businessmen and they were traders and so you're spending money there. And if you can't afford it, as was the case with the majority of the Arabs who were poor, who didn't have the money, who would have only maybe one or two clothes that they would use for the whole year, let alone multiple uh, items of clothing and the ability to purchase new ones at will and at desire. For those people that can't, they would say, well in that case, you just have to make it naked. And that is where that came from. And that is for men and for women. And so they will literally make tawaf around the Kaaba naked. And this was their warped understanding. Just as from that understanding was that the Quraysh would say that we don't have to go to Arafah in Hajj. Everyone else has to go to Arafah. But because Arafah is outside of the Haram boundary, we are the Quraysh and we are the custodians of the Kaaba. We don't have to go. Even though we know from our religion that standing on the plain of Arafah, on the day of Arafah, is the most important aspect and pillar of the Hajj. And so this is an example of how they became distant from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And again, as Allah has mentioned previously, what is their justification? Our parents did this. And if our parents did this, then surely Allah is happy with it and pleased with it and commanded it. Allah says that Allah does not command indecency or what is evil. Say, my Lord has commanded justice. وَأَقِيمُوا وُجُوهَكُمْ عِنْدَ كُلِّ مَسْجِدٍ Stand and face him in every mosque, prostrating sincerely. وَدْعُوهُ مُخْلِصِينَ لَهُ الدِّينَ And call on him, meaning worship him, making your deen sincerely his, and freeing it from any shirk. كَمَا بَدَأَكُمْ تَعُودُونَ As he originated you and created you when you are nothing, so you will return and come back to life in the resurrection. فَرِيقًا هَدَى One group of you, he guided. وَفَرِيقًا حَقَّ عَلَيْهِمُ الضَّلَالَةِ But another group got the misguidance they deserved. 
إِنَّهُمُ اتَّخَذُوا الشَّيَاطِينَ أَوْلِيَاءَ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ وَيَحْسَبُونَ أَنَّهُمْ مُهْتَدُونَ They took the shaytans as friends instead of Allah and thought they, that they were guided. يَا بَنِي آدَمَ خُذُوا زِينَتَكُمْ عِنْدَ كُلِّ مَسْجِدٍ Children of Adam wear fine clothing which will cover your private parts in every mosque in the prayer and for tawaf. And eat and drink what you like but do not be profligate. He does not love the profligate. In verse number 31 Allah Azza wa then tells us as Muslims what we must do. The Quraysh had their beliefs about clothing and dress and so on and Allah Azza wa gives us this very clear instruction. That we should wear and adorn our bodies with good clothing, halal clothing that is clean, that is something that people should wear as according to their custom and their practice and to eat and drink in that way. And this is one of those verses that shows that you shouldn't feel guilty if you wear and have and own nice clothing, if you have and have the ability to eat from nice food, if Allah has given you the ability to have nice a nice car or a nice house that you live in. This is from the blessings that Allah has given to you. And in the hadith, in the Nasa'i, the Prophet said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, eat and drink and give sadaqah and wear, so long as it doesn't include extravagance, nor does it include any type of arrogance. So as long as you're not being extravagant in your clothing, and that's what it means, إِنَّهُ لَا يُحِبُّ الْمُسْلِفِينَ Allah doesn't love those who are extravagant. Or you don't have arrogance. By having that car, you think you're better than others. By wearing those clothes, it makes you feel better than others. It is something which is allowed. And Imam Malik in his Muwatta mentions that Umar used to say to people, wear the nice clothes that you can afford to buy, wear them. Because indeed Allah loves to see the effects of his blessings upon his servants. قُلْ مَنْ حَرَّمَ زِينَةَ اللَّهِ الَّتِي أَخْرَجَ لِعِبَادِهِ وَالطَّيِّبَاتِ مِنَ الرِّزْقُ Say to refute them, who has forbidden the fine clothing provided by Allah and the good enjoyable kinds of provision he has produced for his slaves? قُلْ هِيَ لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ Say on the day of rising, such things will be exclusively an entitlement for those who believe during the life of this world. كَذَلِكَ نُفَصِّلُ الْآيَاتِ لِقَوْمٍ Thus do we mark out the signs and make them clear for people who know and reflect and thereby benefit from them. قُلْ إِنَّمَا حَرَّمَ رَبِّيَ الْفَوَاحِشَ مَا ظَهَرَ مِنْهَا وَمَا بَطَنْ Say, my Lord has forbidden indecency, meaning major wrong actions like fornication, both open and secret. And wrong action, meaning disobedience, and wrongful tyranny towards people, which is injustice. And associating anything with Allah for which He has sent down no authority or evidence. And saying about Allah what you do not know by making unlawful what is not by making unlawful what is not unlawful and other such things. Allah Azza wa Jal in verse thirty three the scholars say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lists these sins in order of less to great, from the least of them to the worst of them. And as we can see therefore that the worst sin that Allah Azza wa lists is not even shirk but what is the basis of all shirk. And that is to speak about Allah Azza wa without knowledge. Because if you say that Allah has children, Allah has a son, Allah has daughters, that is speaking about Allah without knowledge. 
If you're saying that Allah Azza has partners, Allah has idols that help him, help him in any part of his divinity, or that these are partners that we worship so that they can take our worship up to Allah and they are intercessors on our behalf that is speaking with Allah about knowledge. If you say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is everywhere or that is limited in some way, shape or form, or you deny some of his names and attributes, even though it may not necessarily be shirk, but it is something which leads to innovation and leads to harm, it is something then that is based upon speaking about Allah with that knowledge. And therefore it shows us this verse, the importance of knowledge and the importance of not speaking except with knowledge. And if a person doesn't know, then it is better for them not to speak at all. Every nation has an appointed period of time. فَإِذَا جَاءَ أَجَلُهُمْ لَا يَسْتَأْخِرُونَ سَاعَةً وَلَا يَسْتَقْدِمُونَ When the time comes, they cannot delay a single hour or bring it forward. يَا بَنِي آدَمَ إِمَّا يَأْتِيَنَّكُمْ رُسُلٌ مِّنْكُمْ يَقُصُّونَ عَلَيْكُمْ آيَاتِي فَمَنِ اتَّقَى وَأَصْلَحَ فَلَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا هُمْ يَحْزَنُونَ Children of Adam, if messengers come to you from among you, recounting my signs to you, those who are God-fearing and fear shirk and put things right by righteous action will feel no fear and know no sorrow in the next world. But as for those who reject our signs and are arrogant regarding them and do not believe in them, they are the companions of the fire, remaining in it timelessly forever. فَمَنْ أَظْلَمُ مِمَّنِ افْتَرَى عَلَى اللَّهِ كَذِبًا أَوْ كَذَّبَ بِآيَاتِهِ Who, meaning no one, could do greater wrong than someone who invents lies against Allah by ascribing a partner and child to him, or denies his signs, meaning the Qur'an. أُولَٰئِكَ يَنَالُهُمْ نَصِيبُهُمْ مِنَ الْكِتَابِ Such people's portion of the book, meaning that which is written on the preserved tablet concerning their provision, their lifespan and other such things will catch up with them. So that when our messengers, meaning the angels, come to them to take them in death, saying in rebuke, where are those you called upon and worship besides Allah? They will say, they have forsaken us and vanished. وَشَهِدُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ أَنَّهُمْ كَانُوا كَافِرِينَ Testifying against themselves when they die, that they were unbelievers. قَالَ دُخُلُوا فِي أُمَمٍ قَدْ خَلَتْ مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ مِنَ الْجِنِّ وَالْإِنسِ فِي النَّارُ On the day of rising, he, Allah, will say, Enter into the fire together with the nations of jinn and men who have passed away before you. كُلَّمَا دَخَلَتْ أُمَّةٌ لَعَنَتْ أُخْتَهَا Each time a nation enters the fire, it will curse its sister nation before it, which had misled it. حَتَّى إِذَا الدَّارَكُوا فِيهَا جَمِيعًا قَالَتْ أُخْرَاهُمْ لِأُولَاهُمْ Until when they are all gathered together in it and meet one another, the last of them who followed the earlier peoples will say to the first of them who were followed, رَبَّنَا هَؤُلَاءِ أَضَلُّونَا فَآتِهِمْ عَذَابًا ضِعْفًا مِّنَ النَّارِ Our Lord, those are the ones who misguided us. So give them a double punishment in the fire. قَالَ لِكُلِّهُمْ ضِعْفٌ وَلَكِنْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ He, meaning Allah, will say, each will have double punishment, but you do not know. Read as, 
تعلمون أن يعلمون they will not know neither group knows وقالت أولاهم لأخراهم فما كان لكم علينا من فضل the first of them will say to the last of them you are in no way superior to us because you disbelieved on account of us so you and us are the same Allah will say to them فذوقوا العذاب بما كنتم تكسبون so taste the punishment for what you earned Verses 38 and 39, Allah Azza wa says that those people who rejected their prophets and their messengers and turned away from the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when they will be entered into the fire, they will curse one another. And those who followed, who came after, those who came before them will blame one another. And it is, and Allah Azza wa will mention elsewhere in the Quran that the lower will blame those who are of nobility amongst them, meaning that you have people who followed on from those who came in previous generations. So children and grandchildren will blame their parents and grandparents because they're the ones they will say, set down this path for us and we were only people who followed in their path. And then you will have the lowly, meaning the people who are the followers in society, blaming their leaders and their nobility because they will say, we only followed you because you were in positions of leadership. And just as Allah dismisses this argument here, he will dismiss the other argument when it comes later on in the Qur'an. And that is because it is not a justification in the sight of Allah Azza wa to blame your parents, your grandparents, your elders, your leaders, your scholars from turning away from the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is why the statement that you often hear about scholars saying that there is no taqlid in aqidah, what that means is that you can't blame follow in aspects of belief. That you have to know for surety, for certainty that you are worshipping Allah Azza wa and your belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is based upon knowledge. Because Allah Azza wa Jal will forgive and is more forgiving in issues where scholars may differ on practical issues and ibadat and acts of worship because there is a scope for differing there. But in terms of what we believe in Allah and in terms of what we believe in the Day of Judgment and what we believe about the Prophet wasallam, that is something that all of us have to be certain of. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ كَذَّبُوا بِآيَاتِنَا وَاسْتَكْبَرُوا عَنْهَا As for those who deny our signs and are arrogant regarding them and do not believe in them لَا تُفَتَّحُ لَهُمْ أَبْوَابُ السَّمَاءِ The gates of heaven will not be opened for them when they ascend with their spirits after death and they will fall into Sijin Whereas they will be opened for the believers and they will ascend with their spirits to the seventh heaven as reported in Hadith وَلَا يَدْخُلُونَ الْجَنَّةَ حَتَّى يَلِجَ الْجَمَلُ فِي سَمِّ الْخِيَاقُ And they will not enter the garden until a camel goes through a needle's eye. Since that is not possible, it means that their entering the garden is equally impossible. وَكَذَلِكَ نَجْزِي الْمُجْرِمِينَ That is how we repay the evildoers for their unbelief. Verse number 40, Allah Azzawajal, the author Rahman Ta'ala mentions the hadith. And that is the hadith of Al-Bara' ibn Azib radiyallahu anhu. Cutting the Sunnah of Abi Dawood and in other collections of hadith, the Prophet ﷺ told us how the soul is extracted from the body of the believer and the body of the disbeliever, and how for the believer it is within the, uh, a single, it is extracted in the, in, the, in the most gentlest of manners, the way that a drop of water falls from a vessel, meaning without any restriction, without any, any resistance. And it is within the blink of an eye, shrouded and perfumed. And then it is ascended with the angels to the heavens. And every time it passes by a group of angels and they smell that amazing scent, they will ask, who is this? 
and that person will be referred to with the best of their names and the gates of the heavens will be open for them and they will be welcomed until they come to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah azza wa will say take them back to the earth meaning into the grave and make the grave expanded for them and enlighten it for them and open for them a gate from the gates of paradise whereas what is mentioned here concerning the disbelievers is mentioned in the same hadith that the disbeliever their soul will be extracted from their body in the harshest way will be pulled reluctantly with force just as iron is taken through uh, wet wool and it is pulled with that type of force and resistance and then it will be within the blink of an eye shrouded and perfumed in the worst of odors and the worst of shrouds and every time as it's ascending to the heaven it passes by a group of angels those angels will ask what is this foul odor where is this foul smell emanating from and the worst of names will be given to that individual and when they come to the first set of gates to the heaven it will not be open for them as Allah says here la tufattahu lahum abwabu sama the the gates of the heavens will not be open for them nor will they enter into jannah on the day of judgment until the camel can enter into the eye of the needle which is impossible and so therefore meaning that they will never enter into jannah and allah will command that their body that soul be thrown back into the earth and their grave will be restricted for them and it will be darkened and a gate from the gates or a door from the doors of the hellfire will be opened upon them لهم من جهنم مهاد ومن فوقهم غواش. They will have hell as a resting place and covering layers of fire on top of them. وكذلك نجزي الظالمين. That is how we repay the wrongdoers. And Allah Azza wa Jalla in verse 41 concerning the description of the fire and one we will come across numerous times in the Quran describes the fire as something which envelops a person from every way. They will have covered, meaning that it's not just around them on the sides and the top is open, there's fresh air or there's a breeze coming. The fire is beneath them, above them and all around them. So there is no escape from it. As for those who believe and do right actions, we charge no self beyond what it can bear, meaning its capacity in respect of action. This is an interpolation. They are the companions of the garden, remaining in it timelessly forever. We will strip away all rancor in their breasts, all the malice between them in this world. Rivers will flow under them, meaning under their palaces. وَقَالُوا الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ الَّذِي هَدَانَا لِهَذَا And they will say, when they are settled in their dwellings there, Praise be to Allah who has guided us to this action, which had this reward. وَمَا كُنَّا لِنَهْتَدِيَ لَوْلَا أَنْ هَدَانَ اللَّهِ We would not have been guided had Allah not guided us. لَقَدْ جَاءَتْ مُسُنُ رَبِّنَا بِالْحَقَّ The messengers of our Lord came with the truth. وَنُودُوا أَن تِلْكُمُ الْجَنَّةُ أُورِثْتُمُوهَا بِمَا كُنْتُمْ تَعْمَلُونَ It will be proclaimed to them, this is your garden which you have inherited for what you did. In verse 43, Allah Azzawajal says concerning the believers after mentioning the disbelievers, from the na'im and from the blessings and from the rewards of the people of Jannah, is that Allah Azzawajal will remove from their hearts all rancor, all enmity, all ill feelings. As is mentioned in the hadith in Al-Bukhari of Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiyallahu anhu, that once the believers 
traverse the bridge that Allah will place over the fire and they are freed from it and they pass over it, Allah Azza will hold them in a place called the Qantara. And the Qantara is just before Jannah. And that is where Allah Azza will right the wrongs between the believers amongst themselves. So before the Sirat, it's for the disbelievers or it's for those people from the believers who may fall into the fire because of their major sins. But the believers amongst themselves who are Allah Azza has ordained for them Jannah that they will not be punished and go into Jannah their problems amongst themselves their ill feelings, their grievances their wrongs that they committed between them that is done at the Qantara after the bridge as mentioned in the hadith and that is where they will be stopped until Allah writes those wrongs and Allah Azza establishes amongst them peace Hatta ida the Prophet said until that is that all of that has been removed and they have been purified meaning that no longer in their hearts do they feel that type of rancor or ill feeling that is then when Allah will enter them into Jannah and this dua is an amazing dua that they will make or this, this, this praise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is amazing and in the hadith of Abu Hurair radiallahu in Al-Hakim the Prophet said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that the people of Jannah, when they see the fire, they see their punishment, they will say, if only Allah had guided us. And when the people of Jannah see what Allah has prepared for them of reward, they will say, and what would have happened to us had Allah not guided us. And that is based upon this verse of the Quran. وَنَادَى أَصْحَابُ الْجَنَّةِ أَصْحَابَ النَّارِ أَنْ قَدْ وَجَدْنَا مَا وَعَدَنَا رَبُّنَا حَقَّا The companions of the garden will call out the companions of the fire in confirmation or rebuke. We have found what, meaning the reward our Lord promised us to be true. فَهَلْ وَجَدْتُمْ مَا وَعَدَ رَبُّكُمْ حَقَّا Have you found what your Lord promised you to be true, meaning the punishment? قَالُوا نَعَمْ they will say, yes. فَأَذَّنَ مُؤَذِّنٌ بَيْنَهُمْ أَلَّعْنَةُ اللَّهِ عَلَى الظَّالِمِينَ Between them, meaning the two groups, a herald will proclaim, may the curse of Allah be on the wrongdoers. This verse, verse 44, from, this is the same thing that the Prophet ﷺ said in the Battle of Badr, as mentioned in the hadith of Anas in the Sunan, that the Prophet ﷺ at the end of the Battle of Badr, when the disbelievers who had been killed on that day were thrown into the well. The Prophet stood and he named them and he said, O oh Abu Jahl, son of, uh, son of Hisham, and Utbah, and Rabi'ah, and Shaybah, he called them by name and he said, have you found the promise that Allah made you to be true? For indeed I have found Allah's promise to be true. Based upon this verse, Umar said, O oh Messenger of Allah, they're dead. Why are you speaking to them? He said, O oh Umar, you do not hear me better than they do. Meaning that they hear me just as well as you do. Alladhina yasudduna an sabilillahi wa yabahunaha iwajan wa hum bilakhirati kafirun. Those who bar people access to the way of Allah, meaning the deen, desiring to make it the path crooked and reject the next world. Wa baynahuma hijab. There will be a dividing wall. A barrier said to be the wall of the ramparts, Al-A'raf, after which the surah is named between them, meaning the people of the garden and the fire. وَعَلَى الْأَعْرَافِ يَعْرِفُونَ بِسِيمَاهُمْ And on the ramparts, meaning the wall of the garden, there will be men whose good actions and evil actions are equally balanced, as mentioned in hadith, and who recognize everyone, meaning the people of the garden and the fire, by their mark, which will be the brightness of the faces of the believers and the darkness of those of the believers when they see them from a high place. 
ونادوا أصحاب الجنة أن سلام عليكم They will call out to the people of the garden Peace be upon you Allah says لم يدخلوها وهم يطمعون They, meaning the people on the ramparts will not enter it, meaning the garden despite their ardent desire to do so Al-Hakim related that Hudayfa said that is how it will be when your Lord looks on them He will say, get up and enter the garden I have forgiven you First number 46 then is concerning those people after whom the surah is named the people of the Araf and the Araf as the author Rahimahullah Ta'ala here mentions is a rampart or a barrier Al-Tabari ibn Kathir Rahimahullah Ta'ala said that it will be a barrier that distinguishes or separates the fire, the people of the fire from the people of or that distinguishes and separates how fire from Jannah, from paradise and so the people of Jannah will enter into Jannah and the people of the fire enter into the fire and then you have the people of the A'raf those people are A'raf they are on the people, they are the people who are sitting on the rampart on the barrier and they are the ones that will be waiting there who are these people of the A'raf? The scholars differ greatly over this. Imam Al-Qurtubi rahimahullah ta'ala in his tafsir mentions 10 different opinions, 10 different sayings amongst the Salaf and others concerning who the people of the A'raf are. And from them is that he says that they are righteous people amongst the scholars. And one of those opinions is that they are martyrs, basically saying that those people, once Allah Azza has finished with their own uh, accounting, they will be sitting, observing on the ramparts. And they will Look at what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prepared of punishment and of reward. And that and the statements that they will mention when they make the dua and so on is because they acknowledge Allah's favor upon them. Others from amongst them said that they are those who have sins amongst the righteous and amongst the believers. So for example, one of those opinions is that they were people who were martyred, but they went out to perform jihad by disobeying their parents. Their parents didn't give them permission. But they went out without permission and they're martyred. And so Allah makes them from amongst the Araf. And it seems from those statements that the Araf are people who will be judged at the end, meaning that they are waiting, that their affair is in some sort of suspense, meaning that they will wait for Allah to judge between, uh, judge them after He has judged the people of Jannah to go into Jannah and the people of the fire to go into the fire. And the statement of with the hadith that He mentions that their equal actions, their evil actions rather, and their good actions are equally balanced as mentioned in the hadith, that is a weak hadith. But the opinion of what is mentioned in that hadith is the opinion of the vast majority of the scholars of tafsir. They say that the strongest of all of those ten opinions that Al-Qutubi rahimahullah mentions is that the Araf are people whose good deeds and evil deeds are equal. And that is why they are suspended. Because neither is their affair clear to be from the people of paradise, nor is it clear to be from the people of, of how fire. And this is the opinion of Ibn Abbas and Hudayfa and Abdullah bin Mas'ud and Ibn Kathir and Imam Ibn Qayyim alayhim rahmatullah ajma'in. The majority of the scholars therefore say that the Araf are those people, their good deeds and evil deeds are balanced. And so the people of the fire will say to them, you will be from us. And Allah Azza wa says that these people when they look at the fire they will say, oh Allah don't make us from amongst them. And they will become from the people of the paradise from Allah's mercy. And that is from Allah Azza wa full mercy subhanahu wa ta'ala that those people who are equal Allah Azza wa will give them the benefit of the doubt and Allah Azza wa will enter them into paradise and clearly these are people therefore who have the basis of faith and iman meaning it's not people who are disbelievers they are believers but their good deeds and their evil deeds are equal and Allah Azza wa knows best 
وإذا صرفت أبصارهم تلقاء أصحاب النار When they, meaning the people on the ramparts, turn their eyes towards the companions of the fire قالوا ربنا لا تجعلنا مع القوم الظالمين They would say, our Lord, do not place us in the fire with the people of the wrongdoers ونادى أصحاب الأعراف رجالا يعرفونهم بسيماهم the companions of the ramparts will call out to men they recognize by their mark, meaning men who are among the people of the fire. Saying, what you amassed of wealth or its abundance was of no use to you against the fire, nor was your arrogance about faith. They will, they will then say to them, pointing at the weak Muslims, are these the people you swore that Allah's mercy would never reach? It will be said to those Muslims, Enter the garden. You will feel no fear and no, no sorrow. So these are people who are watching the proceedings and when they see the people of the fire, they will seek Allah's refuge from the fire. And they will say to those disbelievers, what is, what, what, How has it benefited you what you amassed from your wealth and from everything that you gained in the dunya? How has it profited you on this day? And these people that you ridiculed, that you belittled, that you thought were too poor or too unworthy of Allah's mercy and His reward, they are the ones that Allah has favored. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will decree that the people of the Araf will be from the people of Jannah. وَنَادَى أَصْحَابُ النَّارِ أَصْحَابَ الْجَنَّةِ أَنْ أَفِيضُوا عَلَيْنَا مِنَ الْمَاءِ أَوْ مِمَّا رَزَقَكُمُ اللَّهِ The companions of the fire will call out to the companions of the garden, pour down some water to us, or some of what Allah has given you as provision to eat. قَالُوا إِنَّ اللَّهَ حَرَّمَهُمَا عَلَى الْكَافِرِينَ They will say, Allah has forbidden both of them to the unbelievers. Meaning that the disbelievers from the totality of their punishment is that not even a drop of water from Jannah is allowed to give to them. Not even a moment's relief will be given to them. Those who took their deen as a diversion and a game and were deluded by the life of this world. Today we'll forget them and leave them in the fire, just as they forgot the encounter of this day by failing to act for it and refuted our signs and denied them. We have brought them, meaning the people of Mecca, a book, meaning the Qur'an, elucidating everything with knowledge, making things clear in terms of information, warning and promises. As a guidance and a mercy for people who believe in it. What are they waiting for? For its fulfillment. The actualization of what it contains. The day 
The day, meaning the day of rising, its fulfillment occurs. Those who forgot it before and neglected belief will say, The messengers of our Lord came with the truth. Are there any intercessors to intercede for us? Or can we be sent back to the world so that we may do something other than what we did by affirming Allah's unity and abandoning idolatry? They will be told, no, you cannot. Allah Almighty says, They have lost their own selves since they have gone to destruction. And what they fabricated, meaning the partners with Allah who claim to exist, has forsaken them. إِنَّ رَبَّكُمُ اللَّهُ الَّذِي خَلَقَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضَ فِي سِتَّةِ أَيَّامِ Your Lord is Allah, who created the heavens and the earth in six days, referring to the length of time involved, because days as we know, as we know them did not, exist, did not yet exist. Then Allah created the sun. If Allah had so willed, He could have created everything in a moment, but He did not do that, in order to instruct His creation to do things step by step. ثُمَّ اسْتَوَى عَلَى الْعَرْشِ and then settled himself firmly on the throne. Throne, Arsh, linguistically means the seat on which a king sits. To settle on, Istawa, means to come into contact with. He covers the day with the night. Whereas Yughshil Layl and Yughshil Layl, each covering the other. Each pursuing the other urgently, meaning each seeking the other. وَالشَّمْسَ وَالْقَمَرَ وَالنُّجُومَ مُسَخَّرَاتٍ بِأَمْرِهِ And the sun and the moon the, and the sun and moon and stars are subservient to his command and power. أَلَا لَهُ الْخَلْقُ وَالْأَمْرُ Truly, both all creation and the entire command belong to him. تَبَارَكَ اللَّهُ رَبُّ الْعَالَمِينَ Blessed be Allah, the Lord of all the worlds. In uh, verse 54, again we have the mention of Allah Azza wa throne. And in the Arabic commentary, what Rasulullah rahimahullah ta'ala actually says is Istiwa yaliqu bi That Allah is above his throne in a manner which befits his majesty. And it's the first time that Rasulullah rahimahullah ta'ala mentions the correct opinion and the madhab of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah and then the translators mistranslated. So may Allah Azza wa Jal forgive us and them. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Rasulullah rahimahullah actually mentions the correct opinion which shows that Imam Ta'ala was from the scholars of the Sunnah, but he had mistakes as every scholar has, and it was predominant at that time and where he lived that people used to misinterpret the names and attributes of Allah. But you will find, and we will see a number of times in this tafsir, how he goes back to the tafsir of the Salaf, and that's because he was a scholar of hadith and someone who spends their time in the narrations of the hadith and the narrations of the companions and the statements of the salaf will take from that even if it is something which is subconscious and that is the blessing of going back to the hadith and the books of hadith and reading them and studying them and one of the you know calamities and challenges of our time is how just as we have become distanced from the tafsir of the Quran we have become distanced from those collections of hadith Bukhari and Muslim and the other four and Muwatta Imam Malik and others that a person doesn't even read them in their lifetime but by simply reading them at the very least you understand the belief that those early generations of Muslims had and the Imam Allah is a giant of the scholars of hadith and therefore simply by his understanding and reading them he has times when he makes mistakes but then he has other times when he comes back to the correct opinion and that is something that is done in this case so istiwa doesn't mean to come into contact with but what it means is that Allah is above his throne 
in a manner which befits his majesty subhanahu wa ta'ala and that's all we know and to go into more detail than that is to speak about the unseen without knowledge call on your lord humbly and secretly does not love those who overstep the limits by making supplication with affectation and raising their voices. Do not corrupt the earth by acts of disobedience and idolatry after it has been put right after the messengers have been sent. Call on him fearfully, fearing his punishment and eagerly desiring his mercy. Allah's mercy is close to the good doers, meaning those who obey Him. It is He who sends out the winds, bringing advanced news, read here as Bushran, other readings have Nushran, Nashran, and Nushran, all of which have a meaning of spreading, bringing advanced news of His mercy, separately ahead of the rain. حَتَّى إِذَا أَقَلَّتْ سَحَابًا ثِقَالًا سُقْنَاهُ لِبَلَدٍ مَّيِّتٍ So that when they, meaning the winds, have lifted up the heavy clouds, meaning heavy with rain, we dispatch them, meaning the clouds, to a dead land with no plants growing in it, in order to bring it to life. فَأَنزَلْنَا بِهِ الْمَاءَ فَأَخْرَجْنَا بِهِ مِنْ كُلِّ الثَّمَرَاتِ And send down water to it, meaning the land, by means of which, the water, we bring forth all kinds of fruit. In the same way, we will bring forth the dead from their graves at the resurrection, so that perhaps you may pay heed and believe. Good land, meaning fertile soil, gives forth its good plants by the permission of its Lord. A metaphor for a believer who hears the warning and benefits by it. But that land, which is bad, only gives forth plants meagerly, with great difficulty, a metaphor for an unbeliever. Thus, in the same way that we have made this clear, do we vary and make clear the signs for people who are thankful to Allah and believe. And just as Allah Azzawajal in verse 58 gives this metaphor of the believer, the Prophet gave a similar metaphor in Sahih Bukhari in the hadith of Abu Musa al-Ash'ari radiyallahu He said the example of what I have brought from knowledge and guidance and the example of those people who accept it and don't expect it, accept it is like the example of rain that comes upon a land that then is fertile and it is pure so it benefits from it and it produces vegetation meaning that there are believers who take the knowledge they benefit, they act upon it and they spread it to others and the example, the second example he gives وسلم, is the example of the one who the rain comes upon them and they are a land that doesn't produce vegetation, but they hold the water, they retain it, so at the very least people can drink from it, animals can come and draw water from it, and so on. And so yes, they may not benefit others around them, but they are people who themselves are good, and they teach, and they help, and they do what they can to the best of their ability. And the third example he gave is the example of the, of the land, as Allah says, that is not fertile, that is bad land, that doesn't retain water, that doesn't give vegetation, that doesn't do anything. And that is the example of those who receive that guidance and that message and they reject it. We sent Nuh to his people. 
فقال يا قوم اعبدوا الله ما لكم من إله غيره and he said my people worship Allah you have no god you have no other god than him if you meaning if you worship other than him inni akhafu alaykum adhab yawmin azim if you worship other than him i fear for you the punishment of a dreadful day meaning the day of rising and this is the first story that Allah azza wa jalla mentioned concerning those prophets that were rejected by their nations and it will be the first in a series of stories as we will see and that is the prophet nuh alayhi salam was the first messenger that Allah sent to earth and he is the first messenger not the first prophet and he is the as we mentioned the difference between them i think or perhaps not but we will mention it at some point uh, in because Allah azza wa jalla will refer to the imam sutra rahimahullah will comment on it but he is the first messenger that Allah sends upon earth and that is based on the hadith of al-shafa'a the intercession of the day of judgment when the people will come to Nuh they will say oh Nuh you are the first of Allah's messengers to the people of the earth and in summary the difference between the prophet and the messenger therefore is a messenger comes to a, a disbelieving nation with a message as opposed to a prophet who comes as an extension of a previous prophet so he comes to a people who are believers so Nuh alayhi salam as in the mess in the narration of Abdullah ibn Abbas radiyallahu anhuma that the people were upon tawheed for 10 generations and it was towards the or just before Nuh alayhi salam came that they started to worship idols and it's a long narration and it goes into the detail of what they did but essentially they built idols they made idols initially as a reminder for themselves of people who are righteous but then as they forgot the purpose of those idols they began to worship them besides Allah and Allah mentions the names of those idols explicitly in surah nuh in the 29th juz wad suwa' yaghuth ya'uq and nasr then so Allah azza wa jalla then sent nuh alayhi salam to these people qala al mala'u min qawmihi inna lanaraka fi dalalin mubin the ruling circle of his people meaning the noble said we see you in flagrant clear error qala ya qawmi laysa bi dalalah he said, my people, I am not in error at all. The word dalala is more general than the usual word dalal, and so it is an even more emphatic denial. But rather, I am a messenger from the Lord of all the worlds. Transmitting my Lord's message to you, whereas ubalighukum and ubligukum. And giving you good counsel, desiring good for you. And I know from Allah what you do not know. Or do you deny, and are you astonished that a reminder and admonition should come to you from your Lord by way of the tongue of a man among you to warn you about the punishment if you do not believe? And make and make you have taqwa of Allah so that perhaps you may gain mercy by that. فَكَذَّبُوهُ فَأَنْجَيْنَاهُ وَالَّذِينَ مَعَهُ فِي الْفُلْكِ But they denied him. So we rescued him and those with him from drowning in the ark. وَأَغْرَقُنَا الَّذِينَ كَذَّبُوا بِآيَاتِنَا And we drowned the people who denied our signs by means of the flood. إِنَّهُمْ كَانُوا قَوْمًا عَمِينَ they were a blind people, meaning blind to the truth. The people of Nuh salam, they were people who were arrogant and they felt that they were better. As Allah Azza will mention in another story of Nuh salam that we will mention in Surah Hud, that they will say to him that the people that follow you are Only the lowest of people follow you and your message. 
And so they were people who were arrogant and they thought that their nobility and their lineage and because of who they were, that should make them more entitled to be messengers and prophets and to receive guidance than Nuh and the people who followed him. Allah as we know sent upon them a, uh, a, a flood to destroy them and to punish them. And this will be mentioned in further detail in Surah Uhud. وَإِلَىٰ عَادٍ أَخَاهُمْ هُودًا And to Ad, we said their brother Hud. قَالَ يَا قَوْمِ اعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ مَا لَكُمْ مِنْ إِلَٰهٍ غَيْرُهُ Who said, my people, worship Allah and affirm his unity. You have no other God than him. أَفَلَا تَتَّقُونَ So will you not be God-fearing and believe? In verse 65, Allah Azza wa Jalla mentions the second prophet that was rejected in that same way, and that is Hud alayhi salam. And Hud and his people lived in what is modern-day Yemen. And so he was from a prophet that was given to the Arabs. He was someone that the Arabs were aware of. And Imam Suti rahimahullah in his, in his uh, commentary, it's not mentioned in the translation, but he says, and Ad, Ad al-Ula, the first Ad, which seems to apply that there is a second Ad. And the second Ad is often referred to as the people of Salih. The people of Salih are known as the second Ad because they were the remnants of the people of Hud and Ad, who then came and settled in a different part of the Arabian Peninsula. قَالَ الْمَلَأُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا مِنْ قَوْمِهِ إِنَّا لَنَرَاكَ فِي سَفَاهَةِ The ruling circle of those of his people who are unbelievers said, We consider you a fool and to be ignorant. وَإِنَّا لَنَظُنُّكَ مِنَ الْكَاذِبِينَ And think you are a liar in respect of your message. قَالَ يَا قَوْمِ لَيْسَ بِي سَفَاهَةٌ وَلَكِنِّي رَسُولٌ مِّنْ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ he said, My people, I am by no means a fool, but rather I am a messenger from the Lord of all the worlds. Transmitting my Lord's message to you, and I am a faithful counselor to you, entrusted with this message to you. Or are you astonished that a reminder should come to you from your Lord by way of the tongue of a man among you in order to warn you? Remember when he appointed you successors in the earth to the people of Nuh and increased you greatly in stature, in respect of both strength and height. The tallest of them was one was a hundred cubits and the shortest was sixty cubits. Remember Allah's blessings so that perhaps you'll be successful. In verse 69, Allah is saying, and all of these nations will have one point that they thought should make them better than the prophets that were sent to them. With the people of Nuh their thing is about lineage and who they are and that they are better and nobler. And when it comes to the people of Hud it's their physical might and strength and their military power that they think that makes them better than Hud and the followers And that is why Allah and from the benefits of this verse of 69 we see that the people of Hud come after Nuh because he reminds them of the people of Nuh. And often the prophets of Allah reminded their nations of nations similar to them who came before them that were destroyed. So you are a people who came after Nuh. Isn't it sufficient for you to understand and take lesson and heed from what took place with the nation of Nuh alayhi salam? fil khalqi basta, and he increased you greatly in stature. And Imam Sayyid mentions 
that they were extremely tall. And this isn't an authentic hadith, it is something which seems to be a, an Israelite tradition or something else that he takes. There is no authentic narration that speaks as far as I know concerning their height or concerning their size. But the Qur'an generally seems to say that they were of great stature. That's what Allah is saying. Exactly the height Allah only knows. But they were people that Allah had endowed with strength and with might. And Allah mentions elsewhere in the Qur'an that they were people who would establish military fortresses and outposts because they were given that might and that power. And they thought because of that power that there was no one stronger than them. Forgetting that Allah is stronger than all. قالوا أجئتنا لنعبد الله وحده ونذر ما كان يعبد آباؤنا. They said, have you come to us to make us worship Allah alone and abandon what our fathers used to worship? فأتنا بما تعدنا إن كنت من الصادقين. Then bring us what you have promised us, meaning the punishment, if you are telling the truth. قال قد وقع عليكم من ربكم رجس وغضب. He said, punishment and anger are inevitable and have come down on you from your Lord. Do you argue with me regarding names which you and your forefathers invented, a reference to the idols which they worship and for which Allah has sent down no authority or evidence? Wait then for the punishment. I am waiting with you for it because of your denial of me. So the barren wind was released against them. Then we rescued him, meaning Hud, and those believers with him by mercy from us. And we cut off the last remnant of the people, of those who denied our signs and were not believers. And we eradicated them. And Allah Azza wa in these um, <coughs> stories in Surah Al-A'raf then says at the end of each one of them when he mentions how they were destroyed. These are people who rejected their prophets and their messengers. And the people of Hud, the nation of Ad, thought that their strength would be enough and sufficient to save them. But it wasn't. And Allah Azza wa says that we destroyed them. And each time it is the believers alone that are saved, everyone else more or less is destroyed. And to the tribe of Thamud we sent their brother Salih. Who said, My people worship Allah. You have no other God than Him. A clear sign, meaning miracle, has come to you from your Lord, which indicates my truthfulness. This is a she camel of Allah as a sign for you. They asked him to produce a camel out of a rock, which they saw with their own eyes. Leave her alone to eat on Allah's earth. And do not harm her in any way by hamstringing or striking her, or a painful punishment will afflict you. In verse 73 onwards, we now come on to the story of the third Prophet mentioned in this surah, and that is the Prophet Salih and his nation, the people of Thamud. And Thamud are the remnants of Ad. The people of Ad, after their nation was destroyed, the survivors amongst them spread across the Arabian Peninsula. And from them, a group of them came to 
today what we call Madain Salih in the northern part of Saudi Arabia, modern day Saudi Arabia, and that's where they settled. And that became known as their area. And they were a people, a nation that became known as Thamud, the people of Thamud. And it was an area that had very little water. And Thamud means a very little amount of water. They found water because in those days you settle in a place where there's a close water source and the Arabian Peninsula has very little water anyway, but they found very little water here, so they chose to settle here. So now when they ask and demand a miracle from their Prophet, not only do they demand it, but they dictate to him what it should be. As we mentioned in the story of Isa salam and the table spread, they often ask for a specific miracle, not just give us a miracle, they want the miracle. In the time of the Prophet ﷺ, the Quraysh pointed to the moon and said, split the moon. They dictate the type of miracle that they want. So the people of Salih pointed to the rock or the mountain and said, bring us a she-camel from it. And so Allah gave them the she-camel that they demanded. But within the, te- within the miracle, there is a test. What is the test for the people of Salih That this she-camel has an amazing thirst for water. Isn't satisfied until it would drink, dry their whole watering hole. And that is why Salih says to them, be careful. This is Allah's sign. Don't kill it. Don't harm it. They thought that they would have a camel that they would benefit from its meat and its milk. And he says, no. And you have to leave it to drink as it wants. For you is a day and for it is a day. وَاذْكُرُوا إِذْ جَعَلَكُمْ خُلَفَاءَ مِنْ بَعْدِ عَادٍ وَبَوَّأَكُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ Remember when he appointed you successors in the earth to add and settled you in the land. تَتَّخِذُونَ مِنْ سُهُولِهَا قُصُورًا You built palaces on its plains in which you lived in the summer. وَتَنْحِتُونَ الْجِبَالَ بُيُوتًا And carved out houses from the mountains in which you lived in the winter. فَاذْكُرُوا آلَاءَ اللَّهِ وَلَا تَعْثَوْ فِي الْأَرْضِ مُفْسِدِينَ Remember Allah's blessings and do not go about the earth corrupting it. And what the people of Salih therefore were given was this amazing skill with engineering and technology. That in those days, thousands of years ago, that they were able to carve amazing dwellings within the sides of mountains that still survive till today, that we can still see. And they have that amazing ability and it's only something which recently we have been able to do with modern technology and engineering. They had that ability thousands of years ago and Allah knows best how. But because of that it led them to arrogance and thinking that they were better than others and therefore it led them to rejection of their Prophet. قال الملأ الذين استكبروا من قومه للذين استضعفوا لمن آمن منهم أتعلمون أن صالحا مرسل من ربه The ruling circle of those of his people who were too arrogant to believe said to those of his people who were oppressed those among them who had believed Do you know that صالح has been sent to you from his Lord? قالوا إنا بما أرسل به مؤمنون they said, we believe in what he has been sent with. Those who are arrogant said, we reject him in whom you believe. Verse 77. The she camel and they had alternate days at the water. They became fed up with that and they hamstrung the she camel. Qudur killed it at their command by slaughtering it with a sword, spurning their Lord's command. 
وقالوا يا صالح ائتنا بما تعدنا ان كنت من المرسلين and said صالح bring us what meaning the punishment for killing it you have promised us if you are one of the messengers in verse 37 that's the name that's mentioned of the man who actually took the sword or the knife and killed the camel and Allah knows best what his name was but Allah azza wa jal in the Quran at times he attributes the hamstringing of the camel to all of them as he does here فعقروا الناقة they hamstrung the she camel and other places to a single individual and that is because it is the individual who kills it but it's with the support of his people and their encouragement and so Allah attributes the whole of that to them because they are part and parcel of that and that is from the eloquence of the Quran that Allah shows that if you are even if you are not the one to commit the murder to steal, to make the sin but you're part of the group that encourages, that helps, that is uh, cooperating on that then you share that sin with them فَأَخَذَتْهُمُ الرَّجْفَةُ فَأَصْبَحُوا فِي دَارِهِمْ جَاثِمِينَ So the earthquake, the word used, rajfa, means a strong earthquake accompanied by a shout from heaven. So the earthquake sees them and morning found them dead, lying flattened in their homes. فَتَوَلَّا عَنْهُمْ وَقَالَ يَا قَوْمِ لَقَدْ أَبْلَغْتُكُمْ رِسَالَةَ رَبِّي وَنَصَحْتُ لَكُمْ وَلَكِنْ لَا تُحِبُّونَ النَّاصِحِينَ meaning Salih turned away from them and said my people I transmitted my Lord's message to you and gave you good counsel yet you do not like good counsellors وَلُوطًا إِذْ قَالَ لِقَوْمِهِ أَتَأْتُونَ الْفَاحِشَةَ مَا سَبَقَكُمْ بِهَا مِنْ أَحَدٍ مِنَ الْعَالَمِينَ and remember Lord when he said to his people do you commit an obscenity meaning sodomy with men, not perpetrated before you by anyone in all the worlds, either among jinn or men. And this is the fourth Prophet in verse 80 that Allah mentions, and that is the Prophet Lut And as we mentioned yesterday, the scholars say that he was the nephew of Ibrahim So as Ibrahim left from his land where his people had exiled him, Lut accompanied him. And Lut went to one area, the area of Sodom, and uh, Ibrahim went and he would settle towards Palestine. Lut therefore is someone who is a foreigner to his people. He doesn't live there, he's not from the indigenous people that were from that land. He is a visitor, a foreigner, someone who comes and settles there. And that's why elsewhere in the Quran, the thing that they would have against Lut is that he's a visitor. How dare you come to us and tell us what to do or not to do and you're a foreigner and you're an asylum seeker or whatever term you want to give to that. That's what they thought made them better that they were the people of that land and he was someone who was a visitor, a foreigner to that land and Allah Azza wa Jalla in all of these stories is showing that Allah doesn't look at people's lineage, Allah doesn't look at their wealth, Allah doesn't look at their you know whether they're indigenous or not, Allah doesn't look at their skill with engineering or technology what Allah Azza wa Jalla looks at is a person's iman and their taqwa and their righteous deeds إِنَّكُمْ لَتَأْتُونَ الرِّجَالَ شَهْوَةً مِّن دُونِ النِّسَاءِ You, prefaced by إِنَّكُمْ in one reading and إِنَّكُمْ in another The latter turning the statement into a question You come with lust to men instead of women بَلْ أَنْتُمْ قَوْمٌ مُسْرِفُونَ You are indeed a depraved people going beyond the lawful into the unlawful وَمَا كَانَ جَوَابَ قَوْمِهِ إِلَّا أَنْ قَالُوا أَخْرِجُوهُمْ مِنْ قَرْيَتِكُمْ The only answer of his people was to say, expel them, meaning Lut and his followers from your city. إِنَّهُمْ أُنَاسٌ يَتَطَهَّرُونَ They are people who keep themselves pure from the practice of sodomy. 
فأنجيناه وأهله إلا امرأته كانت من الغابرين So we rescued him and his family except for his wife She was one of those who stayed behind for the punishment وَأَمْطَرْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ مَطَرًا We rained down a rain of baked stones upon them which destroyed them فَانْظُرْ كَيْفَ كَانَ عَاقِبَةُ الْمُجْرِمِينَ See the final fate of the evildoers وَإِلَى مَدْيَنَ أَخَاهُمْ شُعَيْبًا And to Madian we sent their brother Shu'ayb قَالَ يَا قَوْمِ اعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ مَا لَكُمْ مِنْ إِلَاهٍ غَيْرُهُ Who said, my people worship Allah. You have no other God than him. قَدْ جَاءَتْكُمْ بَيِّنَةٌ مِّنْ رَبِّكُمْ a clear sign, meaning a miracle, showing his truthfulness, has come to you from your Lord. فَأَوْفُوا الْكَيْلَ وَالْمِيزَانِ Give full measure and full weight. وَلَا تَبَخَسُوا النَّاسَ أَشْيَاءَهُمْ Do not diminish people's goods. وَلَا تُفْسِدُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ بَعْدَ إِصْلَاحِهَا Do not cause corruption in the land by disbelief and acts of disobedience after it has been put right by the sending of the previous messengers. ذَلِكُمْ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ إِن that is better for you if you are believers, so become believers immediately. In verse 85 onwards, Allah Azza wa Jalla mentions the fifth prophet in this surah, and that is the prophet Shu'ib, alayhi salatu wasalam, who was sent to his people, known as the people of Madian. And the people of Shu'ib are people of commerce, and people of business, and people that Allah Azza wa Jalla has endowed them with wealth. And they are people who are very, very good in terms of business. But the way that they are good in terms of business is that they cheat people in the way that they weigh and they measure. And they don't give people their full weight and their full measure. And so therefore they're cheating them, even though Allah has blessed them with the ability to do commerce. And they're people who are good at business. But they have cheated and they've done evil and they've corrupted. And so that is what they think makes them better than others that they are wealthier, and that Allah Azza wa has given them more wealth than others. And so they reject their Prophet Shu'ayyib. وَلَا تَقْعُدُوا بِكُلِّ صِرَاطٍ تُوْعِدُونَ وَتَصُدُّونَ عَنْ سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ مَنْ آمَنَ بِهِ وَتَبْغُونَهَا عِوَجَاهِ Do not lie in wait on every pathway, threatening people, meaning terrorizing people by stealing their clothing and taxing them, barring those who believe from the way of Allah, turning people away from the deen by threatening to kill them, desiring to make it, Meaning the path crooked. Remember when you were few and he increased your number. See the final fate of the corruptors. See how the corruptors denied their messengers and their final fate was that they were utterly destroyed. There is a group of you who believe in what I have been set with and a group who do not. So be steadfast until Allah judges between us by upholding the truth and destroying falsehood. He is the best and most just of judges. قَالَ الْمَلَأُ الَّذِينَ اسْتَكْبَرُوا مِنْ قَوْمِهِ لَنُخْرِجَنَّكَ يَا شُعَيْبُ وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا مَعَكَ مِنْ قَرْيَتِنَا أَوْ لَتَعُودُنَّ فِي مِلَّتِنَا The ruling circle of those of his people who were too arrogant to believe said, We will drive you out of your city, Shu'ayb, you and those who believe along with you, unless you return to our religion. قَالَ أَوَلَوْ كُنَّا كَارِهِينَ He said, What? Even though we detest it. His question implies denial. 
قد افترينا على الله كذبا إن عدنا في ملتكم بعد إذ نجانا الله منها. We'll be inventing lies against Allah if we return to your religion after Allah has saved us from it. وَمَا يَكُونُ لَنَا أَن نَعُودَ فِيهَا إِلَّا أَن يَشَاءَ اللَّهُ رَبُّنَا We could never return to it unless Allah, our Lord, so will to make us fail. وَسِعَ رَبُّنَا كُلَّ شَيْءٍ عِلْمًا Our Lord encompasses everything in His knowledge, including His state and their state. عَلَى اللَّهِ تَوَكَّلْنَا We have put our trust in Allah. رَبَّنَا افْتَحْ بَيْنَنَا وَبَيْنَ قَوْمِنَا بِالْحَقِّ وَأَنْتَ خَيْرُ الْفَاتِحِينَ Our Lord, judge between us and our people with truth. You are the best of judges. وَقَالَ الْمَلَأُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا مِنْ قَوْمِهِ لَإِنِ اتَّبَعْتُمْ شُعِيبًا إِنَّكُمْ إِذَا لَخَاسِرُونَ The ruling circle of those of his people who disbelieved said to one another, If you follow Shu'ayb, you will definitely be lost. فَأَخَذَتْهُمُ الرَّجْفَةُ فَأَصْبَحُوا فِي دَارِهِمْ جَاثِمِينَ So the strong earthquake seized them and mourning found them dead, lying flattened in their homes. الَّذِينَ كَذَّبُوا شُعَيْبًا كَأَنْ لَمْ يَغْنَوْ فِيهَا As for those who denied Shu'ayb, it was as if they had never lived there. الَّذِينَ كَذَّبُوا شُعَيْبًا كَانُوا هُمُ الْخَاسِرِينَ It was the people who denied Shu'ayb who were the last. The repetition is intended to add emphasis to the statement. فَتَوَلَّا عَنْهُمْ وَقَالَ يَا قَوْمِ لَقَدْ أَبْلَغْتُكُمْ رِسَالَاتِ رَبِّي وَنَصَحْتُ لَكُمْ So he turned away from them and said, My people, I transmitted my Lord's message to you and gave you good counsel, but you did not believe. فَكَيْفَ آسَى عَلَى قَوْمٍ كَافِرِينَ Why should I grieve for people of unbelievers? The question implies a negative answer. وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا فِي قَرْيَةٍ مِّن نَبِيٍّ إِلَّا أَخَذْنَا أَهْلَهَا بِالْبَأْسَاءِ وَالضَّرَّاءِ لَعَلَّهُمْ يَضَّرَّعُونَ We have never sent a prophet to any city without seizing and punishing his people when they then denied him, meaning with hardship, extreme poverty and distress, meaning illness, so that perhaps they would be humble and believe. In verse 24, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after mentioning these five prophets Nuh, Hud, Salih, Lut and Shu'ib Alayhi salatu wassalam We said that these are prophets that their people rejected them and that Allah azza wa jal therefore because of their oppression Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala destroyed them In verse 94 onwards now Allah azza wa jal changes from speaking about specific prophets to general prophets from speaking about specific examples to speaking about them in general and he will do this for the next few verses ثُمَّ بَدَّلْنَا مَكَانَ السَّيِّئَةِ الْحَسَنَةَ حَتَّى عَفَوْ وَقَالُوا قَدْ مَسَّآبَاءَنَا الضَّرَّاءُ وَالسَّرَّاءُ Then we gave them good in exchange for evil, meaning punishment, until they increased in number, wealth and health, and said in ingratitude for blessings they had received, our forefathers too underwent both hardship and ease in the same way as we have done. This is the mere vicissitudes of time and not punishment from Allah. So continue as you are. Allah said, Then we seized them suddenly with the punishment when they were not expecting it. If only the people of the cities who denied had believed in Allah and His Messenger 
وسلم, and been God-fearing and feared unbelief and rebellion against Allah, we would have opened up, read as Fatahna and Fatahna to them blessings from heaven in the form of rain and earth in the form of plants. But they denied the truth, meaning the messengers, so we seized them and punished them for what they earned. Do the people of the cities who deny feel secure against our violent force, meaning punishment, coming down on them in the night while they are asleep and heedless? Or do the people of the cities feel secure against our violent force coming down on them in the day while they are playing games? Do they feel secure against Allah's devising? He's drawing them on by granting them blessings and then seizing them suddenly. No one feels secure against Allah's devising except for those who are lost. In verse 99, Allah is speaking about people feeling safe from Allah's punishment descending upon them. And that is a sign of Iman. If a person is afraid of Allah's punishment when they sin and when they do something wrong, that is a sign of Iman. And as we mentioned yesterday, for a person to feel within their heart after they sin, that an ease, that, uh, that, that need to turn to Allah, that discomfort in their heart, that is a sign of Iman. And what is dangerous is when a person doesn't feel that when they sin. And Imam al-Hasan al-Basri rahimahullah ta'ala was asked how do you differentiate between a good Muslim and a bad Muslim. A Muslim that is on a good path and a Muslim who you fear for. He said the difference is that the Muslim who is righteous is the one who when they sin their heart becomes perturbed. And their heart becomes discontent. Whereas the one who is a fajr, the evildoer, is the one who sins and they do it with all security and safety, meaning they don't feel any threat of punishment from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. أَوَلَمْ يَهْدِ لِلَّذِينَ يَرِثُونَ الْأَرْضَ مِنْ بَعْدِ أَهْلِهَا أَلَّوْ نَشَاءُ أَصَبْنَاهُمْ بِذُنُوبِهِمْ وَنَطَبَعُ عَلَى قُلُوبِهِمْ فَهُمْ لَا يَسْمَعُونَ Is it not clear to those who have inherited the earth to dwell on it after these people that if we wanted to we could strike them with the punishment for their wrong actions as we punish those before them, sealing up their hearts so that they cannot hear the warning and reflect. These cities which we mentioned, we have given you, Muhammad وسلم, news of them, meaning their inhabitants. Their messengers came to them with clear signs, meaning evident miracles. فَمَا كَانُوا لِيُؤْمِنُوا بِمَا كَذَّبُوا مِنْ قَبْلٍ But when they came to them, they were never going to believe in what they had previously disbelieved. Meaning, they would remain with their unbelief. كَذَلِكَ يَطَبَعُ اللَّهُ عَلَى قُلُوبِ الْكَافِرِينَ That is how Allah seals up the hearts of disbelievers. وَمَا وَجَدْنَا لِأَكْثَرِهِمْ مِنْ عَهْدٍ We did not find many of them, meaning mankind, worthy of fulfilling their contract, which they agreed to on the day of the contract, which them with them was made. We found most of them deviators. And 
and then after them, meaning the messengers mentioned, we sent Musa with our nine signs to Pharaoh and his ruling circle, meaning his nobles. But they wrongfully rejected them. See the final fate of the corruptors, which was utter destruction on account of their unbelief. Verse 103, Allah Azza wa starts to speak about the story of Musa which is a similar story to those that have proceeded of Nuh and Hud and Salih and Lut and Shu'aib in the sense that he will also face rejection from Pharaoh and his people and Allah Azza wa will destroy Pharaoh. But there is a question here. Why didn't Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mention the story of Musa immediately after Shu'aib? Why from verses 94 until now, verse 103, does Allah Azza wa give these general principles and rulings? And then he starts with Musa It's as if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put a divider between those five stories that come one after the other after the other and then the story of Musa السلام, and this is a, a point of contemplation and one, uh, one view that I found amongst some scholars and Allah knows best is because Musa السلام, is similar to those prophets that will come before in the sense that Pharaoh will reject him but he differs from them in the sense that his own people will cause him problems and grievances as well so Musa Islam's issue isn't just from one side, it's from both sides. It's not only his enemies and the disbelievers, it is his own people, his own nation that will cause him much grief and hardship as well. And so that is why Allah mentions him alone, independently, because his story is to be benefited from, from both sides. And we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the story of Musa السلام, more than any other prophet in the Quran. And the Prophet وسلم, said to us that we will follow the footsteps of those who come before us. And that is because there are so many parallels and similarities between us and between the people of Musa السلام, And the Prophet وسلم, had to deal with Quraysh, for after his death there would be many issues within and amongst the people of his ummah. وَقَالَ مُوسَى يَا فِرْعَوْنُ إِنِّي رَسُولٌ مِّنْ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ Musa said, Pharaoh, I am truly a messenger to you from the Lord of all the worlds. But he rejected him saying, I am your Lord. حَقِيقٌ عَلَىٰ أَلَّا أَقُولَ عَلَىٰ اللَّهِ إِلَّا الْحَقِّ Duty bound, read as عَلَىٰ and عَلَيَّ To say nothing about Allah except the truth. قَدْ جِئْتُكُمْ بِبَيِّنَةٍ مِّنْ رَبِّكُمْ I have come to you with a clear sign from your Lord. So send the tribe of Israel away with me to Syria. Pharaoh had enslaved them. Verse 105, <coughs> doesn't say Syria, he says Asham. And it is, I think, not a precise translation to say that Asham is Syria because Sham is much bigger and a region and part that is much greater than modern day Syria. It includes Jordan, it includes Lebanon, it includes Palestine, and so on. That whole region is called Asham, and in the Bible it is known as the Levant. He, meaning Pharaoh, said, If you have come with a clear sign to support your claim, produce it if you're telling the truth about it. So he threw down his stuff, and there it was, unmistakably a large snake. In verse 107, and previously, the story of Musa and Pharaoh, Pharaoh, his thing is kingdom and dominion. 
So his claim to fame, if you like, is that he is the ruler and he has power and what he says goes. And therefore, who is this man to come and claim that he is better than me or greater than me? And we know in other verses of the Quran that Pharaoh's arrogance would take him and lead him to believe that he is God, that he is worthy of worship, that he is the Lord for the people of Egypt and so on and so forth. So Allah Azza wa will mention now in detail the story of Musa salam with Pharaoh and after Pharaoh as well. The question that I have for you today that I want you to think about is from verse 107. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَأَلْقَى عَصَاهُ فَإِذَا هِيَ ثُعْبَانٌ مُّبِينٌ It was a mistakably a large snake. And in other parts of the Quran, Allah Azza wa refers to it as a hayyatun tas'a. It was a snake. And in other parts of the Quran, Allah refers to it as a jan. فَلَمَّا رَآهَا تَهْتَزُّكَ أَنَّهَا جَانٌ This stick that changes into a snake, Allah gives it three descriptions. And the question is why? Why? Why does Allah Azza wa refer to it in three different ways? And he drew out his hand from his pocket and there it was, radiant, pure white, differing from his normal dark skin color to those who looked. The ruling circle of Pharaoh's people said, This is certainly a skilled magician, meaning an expert in magic. In Surah Al-Sha'ara, we find Pharaoh saying this himself. So it is as, as if he was saying it to those around them for the sake of consultation. Meaning that in Surah Al-Sha'ara, he says, And so here is the ruling people saying it, meaning that they agree after consultation. They will agree. Pharaoh's of this opinion, he consults, they agree with him. And so it is something which they all are upon. Yeah. Who desires to expel you from your land. So what do you recommend? They said, detain him and his brother. Meaning, give the command for that to be done. And send out marshals to the cities. To bring you all the skilled magicians. Sahir and Sahar. He, went to, he, he wanted to summon those magicians with superior skill to that of Musa. And that is the meaning of Sahar. In 112, Sahir is a magician. Sahar, as we said with the Shadda, is a more eloquent form of the word, meaning, therefore, a skilled, proficient magician. The best magicians that he could find. The magicians came to Pharaoh. And they asked, will we receive reward if we are the winners? He said, yes. And you will be among those brought near. They said, Musa, will you throw your stuff first or shall we be the ones to throw what we have? He said, you throw. Musa's command is permission for them to throw first. And when they threw their ropes and stuffs, they cast a spell on the people's eyes to divert them from the truth of what they saw and caused them to feel great fear of them, which made them imagine that they were crawling snakes. They produced an extremely powerful magic. وَأَوْحَيْنَا إِلَىٰ مُوسَىٰ أَنْ أَلْقِ عَصَاكِ We revealed to Musa, throw down your stuff. 
And he immediately swallowed up what they had forged. So the truth took place and was confirmed and made manifest and what, meaning the magic they did, was shown to be false. They, meaning Pharaoh, and his people were defeated then and there, transformed into humbled men. The magicians threw themselves down in prostration. They said, we believe in the Lord of all the worlds. The Lord of Musa and Harun. So at the beginning, the magicians are even being courteous to Musa alayhi Do you want to throw? Shall we throw? Because they were so confident of their superior skill. And that this man was an imposter, wasn't even a very good magician. But then when they realize what Musa alayhi has bought, and that it goes against all of their laws of magic and trickery, and that it's not something which could possibly be that of that form, they understand that what he has bought is something greater. And they turn to Allah, and they believe, and they prostrate before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. قَالَ فِرْعَوْنُ آمَنْتُمْ بِهِ قَبْلَ أَنْ آذَنَ لَكُمْ Pharaoh said, have you believed in him, meaning Musa, before I authorize you to do so? إِنَّ هَذَا لَمَكْرٌ مَكَرْتُمُوهُ فِي الْمَدِينَةِ لِتُخْرِجُوا مِنْهَا أَهْلَهَا This which you have done is just some plot you have concocted in the city to drive his people from it. فَسَوْفَ تَعْلَمُونَ لَأُقَطِّعَنْ فَسَوْفَ تَعْلَمُونَ is mentioned here, so it should be added in verse 123. And it means you will come to know, meaning that you, I will show you what your punishment will be for doing what you have done. I will cut off your opposite hands and feet, meaning right hand and left foot, and then I will crucify every one of you. They said, we are returning to our Lord after our death. No matter how it occurs in the next world. You're only avenging yourself from us and hostile towards us because we believed in our Lord's signs when they came to us. Our Lord pour down steadfastness upon us when Pharaoh does what he has threatened to do to us. So that we do not revert to unbelief and take us back to you as Muslims. And that is one of the greatest signs that a person can make in terms in times of trial and difficulty. That they ask Allah for patience and steadfastness and firmness upon faith and that Allah Azza wa grants them death upon Islam. The ruling circle of Pharaoh's people said to him, Are you going to leave Musa and his people to cause corruption in the earth by calling on people to oppose you and abandon you and your gods? They had small idols which they worshipped. Pharaoh said, I am your God, and there, meaning the idol's God, when he said, I am your Lord, Most High. He said, We shall kill their sons and let their women live. Read as, سَنُقَتِّلُ and سَنَقْتُلُ and let their women live as we did to them before. We have absolute power over them. They, they did that to them and the tribe of Israel complained. Musa said to his people, Seek help in Allah and be steadfast in the face of their oppression. 
The earth belongs to Allah. Yunithuha man yashā'u min ibadi. He bequeaths it and gives it to any of his slaves he wills. Wal'aqibatu lilmuttaqeen. Successful outcome is for those who are God-fearing, meaning who fear Allah. قَالُوا أُوذِينَا مِنْ قَبْلِ أَنْ تَأْتِيَنَا وَمِنْ بَعْدِ مَا جِئْتَنَا They said, we suffered harm before you came to us and after you came to us. قَالَ عَسَى رَبُّكُمْ أَنْ يُهْلِكَ عَدُوَّكُمْ وَيَسْتَخْلِفَكُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ فَيَنْظُرَ كَيْفَ تَعْمَلُونَ He said, it may well be that your Lord is going to destroy your enemy and make you successes in the land so that he can see how you behave in it. These verses, verse 127, 128, 129, so after Musa السلام, and the sorcerers accept Islam and, and Pharaoh does with them as he decides to do, Musa السلام, tells his people be patient. Why be patient? And this is the first time that the people of Musa are being mentioned. And as we said, Musa السلام, not only has to deal with the issue of Pharaoh and his people, but now he has to deal with his own people as well and their issues too. So they come back and they say, well, it's, no, it's of no benefit. He was killing us anyway and he was subjugating us before you came. Now that you've come, he said he's going to do the same. So what have you benefited us? How did you bring us any benefit? And that is a very important principle and something which we greatly misunderstand. And that is what Allah shows in the story of Musa السلام, and the stories of the Prophet and even from the life of the Prophet وسلم, that the coming of a Prophet or a Messenger is not like a magic pill that once they come everything is amazing. And there's no hardship and no test and no trial and no fighting and no killing and no oppression and no transgression. It is amazing and everything is amazing. That is a misunderstanding of what the role of the prophets and messengers is. For often when the rock prophets and messengers come, the trials are great and the trials are many and they are major. And it is through working through those trials in a manner that is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that they have the outcome that is good and that is beneficial for them. And that's what we see in the story of Musa. And that's what we see in the life of the Prophet sallallahu And those people who then misunderstand the coming of the Mahdi towards the end of time and the coming of Isa islam also misunderstand that thinking that if the Mahdi comes or if we were to somehow have a Khalifa now, the world would be amazing and everything within it would be good and there'd be no fighting or killing or harm or trial. Misunderstand those texts because the texts actually show that when the Mahdi comes, it is a time of trial and difficulty. And that is when the Dajjal will come. And that is when the fighting will be. And so to understand these principles from these stories is extremely important. And there is this misunderstanding that the people of Musa السلام, had. You're a prophet of Allah. Surely once you came, everything should have been okay. If anything now, things are only going to get worse. Because what you've done is you've made Pharaoh even more angry than he was before. وَلَقَدْ أَخَذْنَا آلَ فِرْعَوْنَ بِالسِّنِينَ وَنَقُصٍ مِّنَ الثَّمَرَاتِ لَعَلَّهُمْ يَذَّكَّرُونَ We seized Pharaoh's people with years of drought and, and scarcity of fruit so that hopefully they would pay heed. Be warned and believe. فَإِذَا جَاءَتْهُمُ الْحَسَنَةُ قَالُوا لَنَا هَذِهِ Whenever a good thing, meaning fertility of all wealth, came to them, they said, this is our due and we are entitled to it. And they were not thankful for it. وَإِن تُصِبْهُمْ سَيِّئَةٌ يَطَّيَّهُ بِمُوسَى وَمَنْ مَعَهُ But if anything bad happened to them, meaning drought or affliction, they would blame their ill fortune on Musa and those with him, meaning the believers. أَلَا إِنَّمَا طَائِرُهُمْ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ No, indeed, the ill fortune will be with Allah. 
and he will bring it to them. But most of them did not know that what befalls them comes from Allah alone. وَقَالُوا مَهْمَا تَأْتِنَا بِهِ مِنْ آيَةٍ لِتَسْحَرَنَا بِهَا فَمَا نَحْنُ لَكَ بِمُؤْمِنِينَ They said to Musa, no matter what kind of sign you bring us to bewitch us, we will not believe in you. So he made supplication against them. فَأَرْسَلْنَا عَلَيْهِمُ الطُّوفَانَ وَالْجَرَادَ وَالْقُمَّلَ وَالضَّفَادِعَ وَالْدَّمَ آيَاتٍ مُفَصَّلَاتٍ So we sent down on them floods, which entered their houses and submerged those sitting down up to the neck for seven days. Locusts, which ate up all of their crops and fruits, lice, or woodworms, which followed up on what the locusts had left, frogs, which filled their houses and got into their food, and blood in the water. Signs clear and distinct. But they proved too arrogant to believe and were evil doing people. In verse 133, Allah Taala mentions the signs that were sent and the punishments that were sent upon Pharaoh as signs for them. They said that we will never believe in you. No matter what you bring and what you do. And so Allah Azza wa sent upon them the signs. And these are from the nine clear signs that the Prophet Musa salam was given. The first of them is the Tufan, which is a flood. And some of the scholars said that the rain was so incessant and so heavy that their dwellings and their homes became submerged in water. And others said that the Nile, the, the, Nile, the river Nile, its banks were breached and so their houses were submerged. And others said that it is... It means death generally. Flooding here is a word for death. And his statement for seven days is a statement of one of the scholars of tafsir. It is not found in a hadith. And then they were given locusts. Locusts, swarms were sent upon them to eat their fruit and to eat their crops. Lice, qummal, Ibn Abbas said, is an insect that comes from wheat and barley. And it eats and it makes those crops uh, it, it like makes them bad or it makes them something which cannot be consumed then. So Allah didn't only send upon them locusts that ate their food and what they had but even what they had stored or what the little that remained, those lice or those types of little insects came out and they finished that off. And then Allah sent upon them frogs and he turned their rivers and their water into blood as clear signs for them. وَلَمَّا وَقَعَ عَلَيْهِمُ الرِّجْزُ قَالُوا يَا مُوسَ دَعُوا لَنَا رَبَّكَ بِمَا عَهِدَ عِنْدَكَ Whenever the plague, meaning punishment, came down on them, they said, Musa, pray to your Lord for us by the contract he has with you, to remove the punishment from us if we believe. لَإِنْ كَشَفْتَ عَنَّ الرِّجْزَ لَنُؤْمِنَنَّ لَكَ وَلَنُرْسِلَنَّ مَعَكَ بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلِ If you remove the plague from us, we will definitely believe in you and send the tribe of Israel away with you. And that's when things became unbearable, one after the other after the other. And so Pharaoh said to him, stop this and we will free you and we will let you go. But when we removed the plague from them by the supplication of Musa for a fixed term which they fulfilled, they broke their word. They reneged on their covenant and reverted to their previous unbelief. فَانْتَقَمْنَا مِنْهُمْ فَأَغْرَقْنَاهُمْ فِي الْيَمِّ بِأَنَّهُمْ كَذَّبُوا بِآيَاتِنَا وَكَانُوا عَنْهَا غَافِلِينَ Then we took revenge on them and drowned them in the salt sea because they denied our signs and paid no attention to them and did not reflect on, reflect on them. In verse 136, Allah Azza wa says that they were drowned. Allah goes straight to the punishment. For also in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will mention that once Bani Israel are freed and they leave, the people of Pharaoh will say to him, 
How can you let them leave after all that's happened and everything that we've lost and all the damage that they've done? You're going to let them just go and leave without taking any type of, of revenge on them? So then Pharaoh becomes angry and he says, actually we will go after them and he gathers his army and we will kill them. And that is where you have the story of them coming to the sea and the sea being parted by the permission of Allah Azza wa Jal and people, Pharaoh and his people being drowned therein. No. وَأَمْرَثْنَا الْقَوْمَ الَّذِينَ كَانُوا يُسْتَضْعَفُونَ مَشَارِقَ الْأَرْضِ وَمَغَارِبَهَا الَّتِي بَارَتْنَا فِيهَا And we bequeathed to the people, meaning the tribe of Israel, who had been oppressed by being enslaved, the easternmost part of the land we had blessed with water and tree, which, which describes the land of Great Syria, and its westernmost part as well. وَتَمَّتْ كَلِمَةُ رَبِّكَ الْحُسْنَى عَلَى بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلَ بِمَا صَبَرُوا the most excellent word of your Lord said to refer to his words, We desire to show kindness to those who are oppressed in the land, was fulfilled for the tribe of Israel on account of their steadfastness by the destruction of their enemies. And we utterly destroyed what Pharaoh and his people made flourish and the buildings they constructed, whereas Ya'rishun and Ya'rushun. وَجَاوَزْنَا بِبَنِي إِسْرَائِيلَ الْبَحْرَ فَأَتَوْا عَلَىٰ قَوْمٍ يَعْكُفُونَ عَلَىٰ أَصْنَامٍ لَهُمْ We conveyed the tribe of Israel across the sea and they came upon some people who were devoting themselves to some idols. Read as يَعْكُفُونَ and يَعْكِفُونَ Devoting themselves to some idols which they had, meaning which they had set up to worship. قَالُوا يَا مُوسَ جَعَلْ لَنَا إِلَهًا كَمَا لَهُمْ آلِهَةً they said, Musa, give us a god, meaning an idol to worship, just as these people have gods. He said, you are indeed an ignorant people for countering Allah's blessing to you with these words. This verse of 138 in the hadith of Abu Waqid al-Layfi, when the Prophet was going towards the battle of Khaybar, and he was with a number of companions who had newly come to Islam. And they came and they rested at a place and they found that there was a tree there that the people of that area, that region, thought was a blessed tree and they worshipped it besides Allah and they sought blessings from it. So those companions who were new to the religion said to the Prophet ﷺ, O Messenger of Allah, will you not make for us a dhatu anwat, this tree, as they have a dhatu anwat, which was the name of the tree, that we will seek blessings from it before battle, before war, as they seek blessings. And so he said to them in response sallallahu alayhi wasallam, what Allah mentions here as a statement of Musa alayhi salam. Are you like Musa, the people of Musa who said to him, make for us gods as they have gods? He said that indeed you are an ignorant people. What these people are doing is destined for destruction. What they are doing is purposeless. He said, should I seek something other than Allah as a God for you to worship when he has favored you over all other beings, meaning at that time. Remember when we rescued you from Pharaoh's people, read as, and he rescued you from Pharaoh's people who are inflict, inflicting an evil punishment on you, meaning imposing hardship on you and inflicting the worst, the worst of punishments on you. يقتلون أبناءكم ويستحيون نساءكم 
killing your sons and letting your women live. وَفِي ذَلِكُمْ بَلَاءٌ مِّن رَبِّكُمْ عَظِيمٌ In that rescue and that punishment, there was a huge trial both in terms of blessing and affliction from your Lord. So you should be admonished and refrain from what you have been saying. وَوَعَدْنَا مُوسَى ثَلَاثِينَ لَيْلَةٌ We set aside 30 nights for Musa. Read as, وَعَدْنَا and وَعَدْنَا During which he would fast and after which Allah would speak with him. He constituted the month of Dhul Qa'dah and he fasted them. When he had completed them, he disliked the smell of his mouth and used the siwak to eliminate it. So Allah commanded him to fast another ten so that he could speak to him with the smell of fasting in his mouth, as he says here. And then completed them with ten of the month of Dhul Hijjah. So the appointed time of his Lord, when he promised to speak with him, was forty nights in all. وَقَالَ مُوسَى لِأَخِيهِ هَارُونَ خُلُفْنِي فِي قَوْمِي Musa said to his brother Harun when he left for the mountain to speak with Allah, Be my khalif among my people. وَأَصْلِحْ وَلَا تَتَّبِعْ سَبِيلَ الْمُفْسِدِينَ Keep their affairs in order and do not follow the way of the corruptors by agreeing with them to commit acts of disobedience. In this verse, verse 142, the narration that he mentions of Musa السلام, going in the month of Dhul Qa'da and Dhul Hijjah and then the fasting and the siwak is mentioned in the books of Tafsir and it seems to be from the uh, Israelite traditions and uh, as we know those traditions if they go against our religion we reject them if they conform to what we have in the Quran and the Sunnah we accept them and if we have neither we don't know if they're true or not as is the case with the majority of them like in this instance we can narrate them without necessarily believing or rejecting in them and we turn this knowledge back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but the principle of Allah Azza wa loving the odor that comes from the mouth of a person who is fasting is established clearly in the Sunnah. The Prophet says, The smell that emanates from the one who is fasting is more beloved to Allah than the scent of musk. When Musa came to our appointed time, meaning the time when it was appointed for Allah to speak to him, and his Lord spoke to him, without any intermediary, with words that he heard from every direction. He said, My Lord, show me yourself, so that I may look at you. He said, You will not be able to see me. The expression conveys the lack of human ability to see Allah Almighty. But look at the mountain, which is physically stronger than you. If it remains firm in its place, then you will see me. You will be strong enough to see me. If it does not, it will be clear that you do not have the capacity to do so. But when his Lord manifested himself to the mountain, meaning when the amount of half of a little finger of light appeared to the mountain, as we are told in a hadith which Al-Hakim says in Sahih, he crushed it flat, read as Dekken and Dekka'a, meaning pulverized and flattened on the earth. And Musa fell, un- fell unconscious to the ground out of awe at what he had seen. When he, when he regained consciousness, he said, Glory be to you, declaring Allah disconnected from anything else. I turn in repentance to you for asking for what I was not commanded to do. And I am the first of the believers in my time. In verse 143, there's a couple of issues here. The first is his commentary, rahimahullah ta'ala, about Allah speaking. 
He says, and his Lord spoke to him without any intermediary, with words that he heard from every direction. And that is again from his ta'wil, from misinterpreting the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why does he say from every direction? Because they say that Allah Azza wa is not above his throne. So if he came from above, then they give him a place. They affirm for him that Allah comes from above his throne. And that is the meaning of this. And therefore it is against the aqidah of sunnah So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke to him. Not from every direction, but from the direction that he spoke to him from subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second point that he mentions here concerning but when his Lord manifested himself to the mountain, and then he mentions the narration of Al-Hakim, that it was the smallest part of his finger, not half of a little finger, but the smallest part of his finger that the mountain saw. That is the narration that the scholars differ over. Some of the scholars said it is authentic, others said that it is weak. And so you will find scholars using it, and other scholars leaving it. And then he fell unconscious, Musa alayhi salatu wasalam, and that is mentioned the hadith of Al-Bukhari, Abu Sa'id radiallahu an, Al-Khudri radiallahu an, that he says that a man came to the Prophet ﷺ, a Jewish man, who had been struck by a Muslim, and he complained of the, to the Prophet ﷺ. So the Prophet ﷺ said the Muslim, asked the Muslim man, why did you strike him? He said, because I passed by and he said that there is no one that Allah created better than Musa. So I became angry, O Messenger of Allah, because you are better than Musa. The Prophet said ﷺ, don't give, don't make me better than Musa, meaning don't do this rivalry between Prophets. For indeed, when the people will be will fall unconscious on the day of judgment, I will be the first one to regain consciousness. And I will see before me Musa salam clinging to the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I don't know whether he woke up before me or whether Allah azza wa saved him from falling unconscious because he fell unconscious at the time of the mountain. And that is an authentic hadith in Sahih al-Bukhari. قال يا موسى إني اصطفيتك على الناس برسالاتي وبكلامي. He, Allah said to him, Musa, I have chosen you over all mankind, referring to the people of his time, for my message. Read as رسالاتي in the plural and رسالتي in the singular. And my word, meaning my speaking directly to you. فخذ ما آتيتك وكن من الشاكرين. Take from my favor what I have given you and be among the thankful for my blessings. وَكَتَبْنَا لَهُ فِي الْأَلْوَاحِ مِنْ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ مَوْعِظَةً وَتَفْصِيلًا لِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ We wrote about everything for him on the tablets of the Torah, which were made from the low trees of the garden or emeralds, and there were seven or ten of them, as an admonition and clarifying all things which are needed for the deen. فَأَخُذْهَا بِقُوَّةِ Seize hold of it vigorously, with strength and striving. وَأْمُرْ قَوْمَكَ يَأْخُذُونَ بِأَحْسَنِهَا And command your people to adopt the best in it. سَأُرِيكُمْ دَارَ الْفَاسِقِينَ I will show you the home of the deviators, meaning Pharaoh and his followers. Their home was Egypt. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, خُذْهَا بِقُوَّةِ Seize hold of it vigorously with strength. As the Prophet said about his sunnah, عَضُّ عَلِيهَا بِالنَّوَاجِذِ Bite onto it with your molar teeth. And it is an expression in both cases to strictly adhere to what Allah Azza wa has said and what the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says. سأصرف عن آياتي الذين يتكبرون في الأرض بغير الحق. I will divert from my signs the evidence of Allah's power seen in created things and other manifestations, all those who are arrogant in the earth without any right and will, dis- and will disappoint them. Even if they see every sign, they will not believe in it. 
If they see the way of right guidance, meaning guidance which comes from Allah, they will not take it as a way and follow it. But if they see the way of error and misguidance, they will take that as a way. That is because they denied our signs and paid no attention to them. وَالَّذِينَ كَذَّبُوا بِآيَاتِنَا وَلِقَاءِ الْآخِرَةِ حَبِطَتْ أَعْمَالُهُمْ As for those who denied our signs and the encounter of the next world, meaning the resurrection and other things, their actions will come to nothing. The good actions they did in this world, like maintaining ties of kinship and almsgiving, will be void. And so they will have no reward for them because they lack the necessary preconditions of true belief in Allah. هَلْ يُجْزَوْنَ إِلَّا مَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ Will they be repaid except for what they did, meaning their denial and acts of disobedience? And the acts that the disbelievers do in this world that are good, Allah Azzawajal rewards them for it in this world. They are given their reward from the removal of hardship and from the increase of blessings and, and provision and so on. Allah rewards them for it in this world. After he left, meaning after Musa went to talk with his Lord, Musa's people adopted a calf made from their ornaments. The jewelry which they had borrowed from the people of Pharaoh for a wedding and kept. A form of flesh and blood made by the Samiri for them, which made a lowing sound. The Samiri had taken some dust from the hoof prints of the horse of Jibreel and placed, and placed it in the mouth of the calf. It brought it to life when it was placed there. أَلَمْ يَرَوْا أَنَّهُ لَا يُكَلِّمُهُمْ وَلَا يَهْدِيهِمْ سَبِيلًا did they not see that he could not speak to them or guide them to any way? They adopted it as a god and so they were wrongdoers by doing so. Verse 148 shows you the difficulty that Musa had with these people. These are a people, if you just reflect on this, the people of Musa are a people that Allah has saved and shown them so many signs by what he did with Pharaoh. And all of those years that they've been waiting for this Prophet that would save them from bondage and subjugation. And Allah Azzawajal sends them Musa and then they see the signs that are in the hands of Musa السلام, And they see the parting of the sea. And they see their enemy being drowned with all of his armies. And now they've been promised the, the promised land and they're going towards it. And then Musa السلام, says, I'm going to meet my Lord. I will bring you further guidance, further instruction from him subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then at the first opportunity, what do they do? They worship other than Allah. They turn away from Allah Azza wa Jal, despite seeing every sign. And this is therefore the principle that we've mentioned previously, a principle that is established in the Quran, that those people who don't have faith or have weak faith, even the greatest of signs, sometimes are not enough for them to come to the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Despite all of the signs of Musa alayhi these people will still turn away at this opportunity and turn to worshipping other than Allah Azza wa Jal. And this duration of the footprints of the horse of Jibreel is a Israelite tradition and Allah knows best. When they took full stock of what they had done, they, they regretted worshipping it and saw and knew that they had been misled by it. And when Musa returned, they said, if our Lord does not have mercy on us and forgive us, read as Yaghfir and Taghfir, we will certainly be among the last. When Musa returned to his people in anger towards them and great sorrow, 
قال بئس ما خلفتموني من بعدي he said to them what an evil thing you did in my absence after i left by engaging in idolatry a'ajiltum amra rabbikum did you want to hasten your lord's command wa'alqal alwah he threw down the tablets of the torah in anger for the sake of his lord and they broke وَأَخَذَ بِرَأْسِ أَخِيهِ يَجُرُّهُ إِلَيْهِ And seized hold of his brother's head, grabbing the hair of his brother's head with his right hand and his beard with his left, dragging him towards him in anger. قَالَ بْنَ أُمَّ إِنَّ الْقَوْمَ اسْتَضْعَفُونِي وَكَادُوا يَقْتُلُونَنِي Harun said, son of my mother, Harun mentioned his mother to soften Musa's anger. The people oppressed me and almost killed me. فَلَا تُشْمِتْ بِيَ الْأَعْدَاءَ وَلَا تَجْعَلْنِي مَعَ الْقَوْمِ الظَّالِمِينَ Do not give my enemies cause to glow over me by humiliating me. Do not include me with the wrongdoing people in punishment for worshipping the calf. In verse 149, the commentary of Asiyyuti Ta'ala seems to indicate that they turned to Allah and they sought forgiveness before the return of Musa And what seems more apparent and Allah knows best is that the repentance occurs after the return of Musa when Musa السلام, tells them that what they've done is wrong and he destroys the the calf and he banishes a Samiri, that is when they turn back to Allah Azza and Allah knows best. And in verse 150, he mentions his mother, Harun السلام, and Musa السلام, is overcome by anger and rage to see what they've done and that Harun, who's a prophet of Allah, is amongst them and let this happen and Harun السلام, rebuke them and try to stop them but when he saw that it would lead to either civil war that they would fight one another because some would agree with him and some would disagree or that he, they would turn on him and kill him he stopped because he knew that Musa would return and when he returned then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would deal with this issue as he saw fit with Musa so he invokes his mother Yabna Umma O son of my mother, because a mother is known to be more loving, caring and affectionate. And so this was to dissipate the anger that was being shown by Musa salam. And there is a very beautiful hadith about this verse, verse 150 in the Sahih of Ibn Hibban, Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah, that the Prophet said, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he said, seeing is not like hearing. Look at how when Allah told him in the previous verse that your people have taken to worshipping something else, Musa didn't do anything with the Torah. He didn't break the scroll, the part with the tablet that he was given. But when he came and he saw his people worshipping, that's when he becomes angry and he breaks the tablet that he was given. And that is the hadith that is authentic in Sahih ibn Hibban. That seeing is not like hearing. The first instance, Musa salam, doesn't do anything, even though it is Allah who tells him, your people are making shirk. But when he sees it for himself, then that's what leads him to that rage and anger. <clears throat> he said, my Lord, forgive me for what I have done to my brother and my brother including his brother in supplication to please him and avert the gloating of enemies from him and admit us into your mercy. You are the most merciful of the merciful. Allah continues. As for those who adopted the calf as a god, anger and punishment from their Lord will overtake them together with abasement in the life of this world. They were punished by the command to kill themselves and were abased in the life of this world until the day of rising. 
وَكَذَانِكَ نَجْزِي الْمُفْتَرِينَ That is how we repay the purveyors of falsehood. Those who associated others with Allah and did other evil things. وَالَّذِينَ عَمِلُوا السَّيِّئَاتِ ثُمَّ تَابُوا مِنْ بَعْدِهَا وَآمَنُوا إِنَّ رَبَّكَ مِنْ بَعْدِهَا لَغَفُورٌ رَّحِيمٌ But as for those who do evil actions and then subsequently repent and believe in Allah, in that case, after that, your Lord is ever forgiving to them, most merciful to them. وَلَمَّا سَكَتَ عَنْ مُوسَى الْغَضَبُ أَخَذَ الْأَلْوَاحِ When Musa's anger abated, he picked up the tablets which he had thrown down. وَفِي نُسْخَتِهَا هُدًا وَرَحْمَةٌ لِلَّذِينَ هُمْ لِرَبِّهِمْ يَرْهَبُونَ And in the inscription, what was written on them was guidance from misguidance and mercy for all of them who feared their Lord. وَاخْتَارَ مُوسَى قَوْمَهُ سَبْعِينَ رَجُلًا لِمِيقَاتِنَا Musa chose 70 men from his people who had not worshipped the calf by Allah's command for our appointed time. The time when he had told him to bring them so that they could apologize for what their companions had done in worshipping the calf. And he went out with them. And when the strong earthquake seized them, according to Ibn Abbas, Allah seized them with the earthquake since they had remained with their people when they, when they worshipped the calf. And that they were not the ones who had asked to see him. He, Musa, said, My Lord, if you had willed, you could have destroyed them previously, meaning before he left Egypt with them, so that the tribe of Israel would have seen that there was a reason for their destruction, and not suspect him, and me as well. Would you destroy us for what the foolish among us did? His question implies, do not punish us for the sins of others. In here illa fitnatuk. It was only a trial into, into which the foolish fell. From you, it was only a trial from you by which you misguided those you willed and guided those you willed. You are our protector in all our affairs, so forgive us and have mercy on us. You are the best of forgivers. In verse 155, the statement of Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah, this is his opinion, that these are the people that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala seized with that earthquake. And the other position amongst the scholars of tafsir is that these are people that demanded to see Allah. And so Allah azza wa punished them because of that demand. And that's because they said, O oh Musa, you went and you met Allah and you spoke to him. Now ask Allah to reveal himself to us. Just as you ask Allah to see, to see Allah, we demand to see Allah Azza wa And it was because of that that they were punished and Allah knows best. وَاكْتُبَ لَنَا فِي هَذِهِ الدُّنْيَا حَسَنَةٌ وَفِي الْآخِرَةٌ Prescribe good for us and make it mandatory for us in this world and good in the next world. We have truly turned to you in repentance. He, Allah said, as for my punishment, I strike with it anyone I will. My mercy extends to all things in this world. فَسَأَكْتُبُهَا لِلَّذِينَ يَتَّقُونَ وَيُؤْتُونَ الزَّكَاةَ وَالَّذِينَ هُمْ بِآيَاتِنَا يُؤْمِنُونَ 
but I will prescribe it in the next world for those who are God-fearing and pay zakat and those who believe in our signs. In this verse 156, Allah just speaks about His punishment and He speaks about His mercy. My punishment I strike with it anyone I will and my mercy extends to all things. In the hadith of Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu anhu, the Muslim of Imam Ahmad, he says that the Prophet said sallallahu alayhi wasallam that Jannah and Naar, paradise and hellfire boasted with one another, showing that both of them can speak by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And hellfire boasted and said, I am Allah's punishment. And within me will be the kings and the tyrants and the oppressors. And Jannah said, I am Allah's mercy. And I will, within me will be the poor and the needy and those people who Allah blesses. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to the fire, You are my punishment, I will punish with you whomsoever I choose. And he said to Jannah, You are my reward, I will reward with you whomsoever I choose. And both of you will have your fill. الذين يتبعون الرسول النبي الأمي الذي يجدونه مكتوبا عندهم في التوراة والإنجيل. Those who follow the messenger Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم, the unlettered prophet, whom they find written down with them in the Torah and the Gospel, referring to the name and description of the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم. يأمرهم بالمعروف وينهاهم عن المنكر. Commanding them to do right and forbidding them to do wrong. Making good things lawful for them, which were unlawful in their sharia. And bad things such as carry on and other things unlawful for them. Relieving them of the heavy loads and the chains which were around them. A reference to the difficult penalties imposed upon them such as having to kill themselves in repentance and cut out any trace of impurity. Those of them who believe in him and honor him and help him and follow the light, meaning the Qur'an, that has been sent down with him, they are the ones who are successful. قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسُ إِنِّي رَسُولُ اللَّهِ إِلَيْكُمْ جَمِيعًا الَّذِي لَهُ مُلْكُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ Say, addressed to the Prophet wasallam, Mankind, I am the messenger of Allah to you all, of him to whom the kingdom of the heavens and the earth belongs. لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا هُوَ يُحْيِي وَيُمِيدُ There is no God but him. He gives life and causes to die. فَآمِنُوا بِاللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ النَّبِيِّ الْأُمِّيِّ الَّذِي يُؤْمِنُ بِاللَّهِ وَكَلِمَاتِهِ وَاتَّبِعُوهُ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَهْتَدُونَ So believe in Allah and His Messenger, the undetted Prophet, who believes in Allah and His words, meaning the Qur'an, and follow Him so that perhaps you will be guided. وَمِنْ قَوْمِ مُوسَىٰ أُمَّةٌ يَهْدُونَ بِالْحَقِّ وَبِهِ يَعْدِلُونَ among the people of Musa, there is a group who guide people by the truth and act justly in judgment in accordance with it. And again, this shows Allah's justice and fairness, as we've seen and mentioned before in other surahs of the Quran. That when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about these people, Allah mentions that amongst them they were the good, the noble, so that we don't think that they were all evil or all disobedient or all rebellious. Amongst them were believers. And we know from that authentic hadith of the Prophet وسلم, that Musa will have from the greatest nations that will follow him on Yawm Al-Qiyamah 
prophets that will come with three or two or one follower and prophets with none. And then the Prophet ﷺ saw a great deal of people filling the horizon. And he was told that is the nation of Musa ﷺ, meaning the believers from amongst them. <coughs> we divided them, meaning the tribe of Israel, up into 12 tribes, meaning communities. وَأَوْحَيْنَا إِلَى مُوسَىٰ إِذِ اسْتَسْقَاهُ قَوْمُهُ أَنِ اضْرِبْ بِعَصَاكَ الْحَجَرِ We revealed to Musa when his people asked him for water in the desert, strike the rock with your staff, and he struck it. فَانْبَجَسَتْ مِنْهُ اثْنَتَا عَشْرَةَ عَيْنَا Twelve fountains flowed out from it, a spring for each of the tribes. قَدْ عَلِمَ كُلُّ أُنَاسٍ مَشْرَبَهُمْ And all the people, meaning each tribe, knew their drinking place. وَظَلَّلْنَا عَلَيْهِمُ الْغَمَامَ وَأَنزَلْنَا عَلَيْهِمُ الْمَنَّ وَالسَّلْوَىٰ And we shaded them in the desert with clouds from the heat of the sun and sent down manna and quails to them and we said to them كُلُوا مِن طَيِّبَاتِ مَا رَزَقْنَاكُمْ Eat of the good things we have provided you with وَمَا ظَلَمُونَا وَلَكِنْ كَانُوا أَنفُسَهُمْ يَظْلِمُونَ They did not wrong us, rather it was themselves they wronged. In this verse, in verse 160, it is a verse that is similar that has preceded in Surah Al-Baqarah. And Allah in this verse, when He speaks about the striking of the rock and the fountains flowing from it, He uses the word فَمْبَجَسَتْ And in Surah Al-Baqarah, فَنْفَجَرَتْ And in Ta'ala in his tafsir, He mentions the difference between the two. And that is that فَمْبَجَسَتْ is a trickle of water that comes out when the, struck, the, the rock is first struck, a small amount of water comes out. And what Allah mentioned in Surah Al-Baqarah is فَمْبَجَسَتْ that it gushed out. And so once it starts to trickle out, then the pressure builds and it gushes out. And this is, so therefore in Surah Al-A'raf is the beginning of the emergence of the water. And in Surah Al-Baqarah is where the water is greater. And some of the scholars of Tafsir mentioned the reason behind that and they said because in this verse it is the people of Musa asking Musa to make dua. Whereas in Surah Al-Baqarah it is Musa asking Allah. So when it is Allah being asked, Allah describes the water gushing forth. And when it is Musa being asked by his people to give us water, Allah Azza describes the water to be of a weaker nature and Allah knows best. <coughs> وَإِذْ قِيلَ لَهُمُ اسْكُنُوا هَذِهِ الْقَرْيَةَ وَكُلُوا مِنْهَا حَيْثُ شِئْتُمْ وَقُولُوا حِطَّةٌ وَدَخُلُوا الْبَابَ سُجَّدًا نَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ خَطِيئَاتِكُمْ Remember when they were told, live in this town, meaning Jerusalem, and eat of it wherever you like, and say, relieve us of our burdens, and, and enter the gate of the city prostrating, meaning bowing down. We will forgive, read as نَغْفِرْ and also تُغْفَرْ in which case the meaning becomes, your mistakes will be forgiven you. Your mistakes. سَنَزِيدُ الْمُحْسِنِينَ We will grant increase, meaning a reward to good doers, those who obey. فَبَدَّلَ الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا مِنْهُمْ قَوْلًا غَيْرَ قِيلَ لَهُمْ But those of them who did wrong substituted words, other than those they had been given. They said, a grain in a hair, and entered on their backsides. فَأَرْسَلْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ رِجَزًا مِّنَ السَّمَاءِ بِمَا كَانُوا يَظْلِمُونَ So we sent a plague, meaning a punishment, on them from heaven for their wrongdoing. 
واسألهم عن القرية التي كانت حاضرة البحر إذ يعدون في السبت إذ تأتيهم حيتانهم يوم سبتهم شرعا ويوم لا يسبتون لا تأتيهم Ask them, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in rebuke about the town which was by the sea, meaning Ayla on the Red Sea, and about what happened to its inhabitants when they broke the Sabbath, by fishing during it when they were commanded not to. When the fish came to them clearly near the surface on their Sabbath day, but, they did, but did not come on the days which were not their Sabbath, as a test from Allah. In this way we put them to the test because they were deviators. They showed that they had deviated by fishing on the Sabbath. At that point, the people formed three groups. Those who fished with them, those who forbade them to fish, and those who did not fish but did not forbid them. These are, this is the story now of the people of the Sabbath. That Allah Azza wa forbade, as we know, the people of Musa salam to fish or to, yeah, to fish on the Sabbath, which is the Saturday. And so, because Allah Azza wa put upon them a test that on the day that they could not fish, the fish were plentiful. And on the days that they could fish, the, the fish was scarce. So they decided that they would put down their nets and they would dig their traps and so on before the Sabbath. And then they would collect them after the Sabbath saying that we didn't fish on the Sabbath and this was their way of trying to circumvent the, the, the rulings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah azza wa jal rebuked them for that in the harshest of terms. And as, as Suyuti rahimahullah ta'ala says that the verse seems to apply, imply that there were three groups. The group that did this the group that strongly opposed and rejected, and the group that were just silent observers. Yeah. Verse 164. When a group of them, meaning those who did not fish and did not forbid others, said, Why do you rebuke a people whom Allah is going to destroy or severely punish? They, meaning those who had forbidden the others to fish, said, So that we have an excuse through our admonishment to present to your Lord, so that we will not be accused of failing to forbid them, and so that perhaps they will become God-fearing and fear fishing. Verse 164 is a principle in terms of commanding, enjoining the good and forbidding the evil. When these people said to those people who fish on the Sabbath, the second group that opposed them and told them to stop, not to do it, it goes against the spirit of what Allah has revealed of his commands, the people who are sign observers said to those people opposing them, opposing the first group, why are you bothering? Why spend your time and energy on them? Allah is going to punish them anyway. They're people who don't care about this stuff. Why are you wasting your time? And they give this response, ila rabbikum, so that we will have an excuse before your Lord, which shows that one of the objectives and goals of commanding the good and forbidding the evil is not necessarily the result Obviously that is a goal, but it is so that we can absolve ourselves of the responsibility before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then when they forgot and abandoned what they had been reminded of and warned about and did not return, we rescued those who had forbidden the evil. And seized those who did wrong by transgressing with a harsh punishment because they were deviators. When they were insolent and arrogant about what they had been forbidden to do, we said to them, Be apes, despised, cast out. The punishment is described. Ibn Abbas said, 
I do not know what was done to the silent group. Ikrima said, they were not utterly destroyed because their words above, why do you rebuke, showed that they disliked what the others were doing. And in this verse 166, as you can see, the scholars of Tafsir have different opinions and views as to what became of the third group. So the first group are destroyed because they are the ones who challenge Allah's laws. The second group are saved because they are the ones who openly rebuke them and try to stop them and warn them and remind them. But then you have the silent group that Allah doesn't even bother mentioning. So Allah Azza wa doesn't even refer to them after this. So what happened to them? Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu his approaches, Allah knows best. We don't know. Because Allah doesn't mention them. And others like Iqlima rahimahullah said that it shows the verse seems to imply that Allah forgave them because the fact that they are siding with those who oppose them shows that at least their heart was inclined that way but they're just telling them not to waste their efforts and their time. And the third opinion amongst the scholars of Tafsir is that they were destroyed. That Allah destroyed them because number one they were silent and because number two they tried to stop the forbidding of the evil and Allah Azza wa knows best. وَإِذْ تَأَذَّنَ رَبُّكَ لَيَبْعَثَنَّ عَلَيْهِمْ إِلَى يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ مَنْ يَسُومُهُمْ سُوءَ الْعَذَابِ Then your Lord announced and informed them that he would send against them, meaning the Jews, until the day of rising, people who would inflict an evil punishment on them, meaning people who would abase them and take jizya from them. At first they paid it to the Magians, and when our Prophet وسلم, was sent, he imposed it on them. إِنَّ رَبَّكَ لَسَرِيعُ الْعِقَابِ وَإِنَّهُ لَغَفُورٌ رَّحِيمٌ Your Lord is swift in retribution for disobeying Him and He is ever forgiving to those who obey Him, most merciful to them. وَقَطَّعْنَاهُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ أُمَمًا And we divided them into nations in the earth. مِنْهُمُ الصَّالِحُونَ وَمِنْهُمْ دُونَ ذَلِكَ Some of them are righteous and some are other than that, meaning unbelievers and deviators. We tried them with good, meaning blessings, and evil, meaning requital, so that perhaps they would return from their deviance. An evil generation has succeeded them, inheriting the book, meaning the Torah, from their forebears, taking the goods of this lower world. Rubbish, which is the basic stuff, whether lawful or unlawful, and saying we will be forgiven for what we did. But if similar goods come to them, again, they will still take them. They hope vainly for forgiveness when they revert to what they were doing and persist in it. But there is no promise in the Torah of forgiveness when people persist in wrongdoing. أَلَمْ يُؤْخَذْ عَلَيْهِمْ مِيثَاقُ الْكِتَابِ أَلَّا يَقُولُوا عَلَى اللَّهِ إِلَّا الْحَقَّ وَدَرَسُوا مَا فِيهِ Has not a covenant, covenant been made with them in the book that they should not only say that they should only say the truth about Allah and that they have not studied and seen what is in it. Why do they deny it by ascribing to it the granting of forgiveness in spite of persistence in wrongdoing? وَلَدَاهُ الْآخِرَةُ خَيْرٌ لِلَّذِينَ يَتَّقُونَ the final abode is better for those who are God-fearing, in that they fear the haram. أَفَلَا تَعْقِلُونَ Will you not use your intellect? Redas ta'qilun and also ya'qilun. Will they not use their intellect? And realize that it is better and therefore prefer the next world to this world. وَالَّذِينَ يُمَسِّكُونَ بِالْكِتَابِ وَأَقَامُ الصَّلَاةِ As for those of them who hold fast, redas yumasikuna and yumsikuna, who hold fast to the book and establish the prayer, such as Abdullah ibn Salam and his companions, We will not let the wage of the righteous be wasted. 
The second phrase contains a noun instead of a pronoun, saying the wage of the righteous rather than their wage, in order to stress the righteousness of those concerned. وَإِذْ نَتَقْنَ الْجَبَلَ فَوْقَهُمْ كَأَنَّهُ ظُلَّةٌ وَظَنُّوا أَنَّهُ وَاقِعٌ بِهِمْ Remember when we uprooted the mountain and raised it up, lifting it above them like a canopy, and they thought and were certain that it was about to fall on them, because Allah had promised that it would happen if they did not accept the rulings of the Torah. They had refused to do so because it was difficult for them, but then they had to accept it. Then we said to them, Seize hold vigorously with gravity and striving of what we have given you and remember what is in it by acting on it so that perhaps you will be God-fearing. And verse 171, <coughs> verse 171 is the explanation of the verses that we've mentioned or have, have been mentioned a number of times before in the Quran. And the mountain Allah says here in more clearer terms that what caused them then to follow the laws of Allah is that Allah raised upon them a mountain as if it was shading them, meaning it's above them like a canopy. And they thought that it would fall upon them. That it would crush them. And they were told then that they had to take Allah's laws and His Torah and the teachings of it. And that is when they accepted it. وَإِذْ أَخَذَ رَبُّكَ مِنْ بَنِي آدَمَ مِنْ ظُهُورِهِمْ ذُرِّيَّتَهُمْ وَأَشْهَدَهُمْ عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ Remember when your Lord took out all, the, the, all their descendants from the loins of the children of Adam by removing all of the descendants of Adam from his loins, generation by generation, like atoms, and set up for them evidence of his Lordship and made them understand it, and made them testify against themselves. He said, أَلَسْتُ بِرَبِّكُمْ Am I not your Lord? They said, Indeed, you are our Lord. We testify that indeed you are. Lest you say, Lest they say, meaning the unbelievers on the day of rising, we knew nothing of this. Tawheed. Verse 172 shows that Allah therefore took from all of Adam السلام, from Adam السلام, all of his children, all of his descendants, and made them bear witness that they would worship Allah alone. And that is what we call the fitrah, that the Prophet says, every child is born upon the fitrah, and it is their parents that make them into followers of one religion or another besides Islam. That is the fitrah that is placed within each and every single person. The fitrah that when we make dua, we automatically within ourselves are inclined to look towards the heavens, raise our hands up, we are naturally inclined to look that way because of the fitrah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed within us. And Allah says, lest that you say on Yawm Al-Qiyamah that we knew nothing, that we forgot, that we didn't know. Allah says that the proof has been established. And that's because mankind is forgetful. And mankind is someone who refuses to acknowledge. As is mentioned in the hadith in At-Tirmidhi of Abu Hurairah that when the progeny of Adam, his descendants, were taken out from his loins, he saw from them one that was shining bright. And he said, Oh Allah, or he asked Jibreel, who is this? And he was told, this is your son Dawood, alayhi salam, the prophet. But he saw that his lifespan would be short, 60 years. So he said to him, can I give, he said, ask Allah, can I give from my age, my lifespan, 40 years to Dawood? And Adam, alayhi salam, lived for a very long time. So Allah, allowed him to do so. So he gave him 40 years from his lifespan. And then the hadith says that when the angel of death came to take him, Adam said to him, you're early, I have 40 years left. 
He said, don't you remember when you gave 40 of your years to your son Dawood? And Adam said, no, I don't remember. The Prophet said, وسلم, so Adam forgot, so his children became forgetful. And Adam refused to acknowledge, so his children refused to acknowledge. أو تقولوا إنما أشرك آباؤنا من قبل وكنا ذرية من بعدهم ولست يسي again ردس تقولوا أن يقولوا لست they say meaning the unbelievers our forefathers associated others with Allah before our time and we are merely descendants coming after them and imitating them أفتهلكنا بما فعل المبطلون so are you going to destroy us and punish us for what those purveyors of falsehood among our forefathers did by establishing idolatry. The meaning is that they shall have no defense when they say that, because they testified to Allah's oneness before and were reminded of it by the messenger who brought them the miracle, which is a reminder to people. That is how we make the signs clear, in the same way that we made the covenant clear, so that they would reflect, so that perhaps they will return from their unbelief. وَاتْلُ عَلَيْهِمْ نَبَأَ الَّذِي آتَيْنَاهُ آيَاتِنَا فَانْسَلَخَ مِنْهَا Recite to them, meaning the Jews, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the tale of him to whom we gave our signs, but who then cast them to one side because of his unbelief, as a snake casts off its skin. This was Bal'am, Bal'am, is it Bal'am? This was Bal'am ibn Ba'ura, one of the scholars of the tribe of Israel. He was asked to curse Musa and was given an inducement. He made the supplication, but then it turned back against him, and his tongue lolled out onto his chest. And Shaytan caught up with him and became his comrade. He was one of those lured into error. And this is one of the uh, causes of revelation that, that I mentioned, one of the stories behind this verse that I mentioned, by some of the scholars of tafsir, like Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, radiyallahu anhu, and others. And that is that this man, Bal'am ibn Ba'ura, or in some narrations, Bal'am ibn Abar. He was someone who was told to curse Musa salam, And before he could do so, he, his tongue rolled out of his tongue. Meaning that he was left speechless, wasn't able to speak anymore. And others from amongst the scholars of tafsir, and there's a narration in Nisa'i that is authentic, that Abdullah ibn Amr radiallahu anhu said that this verse was referring to Umayyah ibn Abi Salt. Umayyah ibn Abi Salt. And Umayyah ibn Abi Salt was the leader of Thaqif, the tribe of Thaqif in the time of the Prophet and therefore that it is him that is trying to curse the Prophet and that is what is being referred to and Allah knows best. If we had wanted to, we would have raised him up to the high degrees of men of knowledge by them, by giving him success through his actions. But he gravitated towards the earth to this world and inclining to it, and pursued his whims and base desires which called him to it. And so we left him there. His likeness is that of a dog. If you chase it away by driving it off and reprimanding it, it logs out its tongue and pants. And if you leave it alone, it logs out its tongue and pants. No other animal is like a dog. The metaphor indicates someone who is debased in every state. The intention is to make a metaphor of his lowliness and baseness as a consequence of his inclining to this world and following his desires. That is the likeness of those who deny our signs. 
So tell the story to the Jews so that perhaps they will reflect and believe. <coughs> How evil is the metaphor of those who deny our signs. It is themselves that they have badly wronged by their denial. Whoever Allah guides is truly guided. But those who misguides are the last. We created many of the jinn and mankind for hell. They have hearts they do not understand the truth with. They have eyes, they do not see the evidence of the power of Allah with and reflect. They have ears, they do not hear the signs and warning with and take note. Such people are like cattle in their lack of understanding, seeing and hearing. No, they are even further astray than cattle because cattle seek benefit for themselves and flee from harm, whereas these people deliberately advance towards the fire. They are the unaware. To Allah belongs the 99 most beautiful names as reported in the hadith. So call on him and name him by them. And abandon those who desecrate his names. Desecrate comes from the root lahada, meaning to incline away from the truth. They desecrate his names by deriving the names of their idols from them, like Allah from Allah, Al Uzza from Al Aziz, Al Mana from Al Manan. They will be repaid for what they did in the next world. This revelation came before the command to fight. This verse, verse 118. Allah Azza wa gives us the command to call upon him by his name subhanahu wa ta'ala that are beautiful. And he says here in his commentary, Rahimullah Ta'ala, Imam Masyuti, the 99 names. And he's basing that uh, upon a number of hadith. One of them is authentic and that is the hadith in which the Prophet said to Allah, our 99 names, whoever encompasses them will enter into Jannah. But that doesn't mean that they are exclusive to 99 names. Allah has more names than the 99 because based on the dua that the Prophet ﷺ used to make or from the names that you have kept with the knowledge of the unseen and in the hadith of the Shafa'ah the Prophet ﷺ said that I will prostrate before the throne of Allah and I will praise Allah in ways that I didn't know before and so Allah has names that he hasn't revealed to anyone that no one knows except him subhanahu wa ta'ala. So they are not only 99 in number. He says as mentioned in the hadith, and he's referring to, I think, the hadith of At-Tirmidhi, that mentions the 99 names, but that is a weak narration. Those 99 that are listed in the hadith are a weak narration. Not all of them are authentic. And there are scholars who have come and put those 99 together, meaning that they're not found in a single hadith of the Prophet but from multiple verses and multiple ahadith you can draw those 99 out. Among those we have created there is a community who guide by the truth and act justly according to it. This is a community of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa as stated in the hadith. وَالَّذِينَ كَذَّبُوا بِآيَاتِنَا سَنَسْتَدْرِجُهُمْ مِنْ حَيْثُ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ But as for those, meaning among the people of Mecca, who deny our signs, meaning the Qur'an, 
We will lead them step by step into destruction from where they do not know. I will give them more time. My strategy is sure, meaning strong and incapable of being bested. Have they not reflected and therefore come to know? The companion, Muhammad وسلم, is not mad. He is only a clear warner. أَوَلَمْ يَنْظُرُوا فِي مَلَكُوتِ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَمَا خَلَقَ اللَّهُ مِنْ شَيْءٍ وَأَنْ عَسَىٰ أَنْ يَكُونَ قَدْ اقْتَرَبَ أَجَلُهُمْ Have they not looked into the dominions of the heavens and the earth and what Allah has created and used this as evidence of the power of the Creator and His oneness and seen that it may well be that their appointed time is near and that they will die as unbelievers and go to the fire therefore they should hasten to, to believe in what discourse after this, meaning the Qur'an, will they believe? If Allah misguides people, no one can guide them. He will abandon them. Whereas, we will abandon. To wander blindly in the excessive insolence, they waver in confusion. And I think inshallah ta'ala we will stop there at the end of verse 186 for today. This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org.